millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. And of course, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Live Stream. Joining me in the studio tonight, returning guest. It's been a long time. I actually remember the last time she was on the show because I was broadcasting from Ohio. And of course, now I'm in sunny Florida. But Christina, a.k.a. Radix Verum of Patriot Soapbox fame. If anybody here has spent any time in the Truth and Freedom movement for any length of time, then I'm sure you know who she is. She is a researcher unparalleled, standing head and shoulders above many, many out there. And she personally went to Michigan recently uh, to cover the retrial of a couple of the guys from the Gretchen Whitmer hoax kidnapping FBI entrapment case. She's been doing a lot of deep dives into the FBI's activities, what they've been up to, and I don't think I have to tell you that it's nothing good. So we're going to be talking about this case, we're going to be talking about her research to a larger degree, other cases as well. You guys know what's going on. If there is a terrorism case, domestic or uh, somebody coming to the United States, if we got a mass shooting, you better believe it. The FBI is going to be involved in there somewhere, not because they're investigating it, but chances are they've probably massaged it into being. All right, my friends, do me a favor. Don't forget to like and share the broadcast. Help us by getting it out on your favorite social media platform. Truth Social, Gab, Getter, wherever you're at. And sit back, relax, grab your popcorn. We'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back to the show. I see uh, over there on the foxhole, Miss Marlene says it's raining here in Cape Coral. Started early or late afternoon. Christina, it's been raining here for days. I'm looking at myself in the monitor here and then myself in the sponsor ad from the other day and not getting any sun. It's like the, the color has just drained from my face and I can't believe it. I know. Uh, it, it, it's generally speaking sunny all the time down here in Florida. It does rain a lot, but you're able to get a lot of sun. So uh, it's uh, I'm just starting to notice how how, uh, how how drastic the change has been. What about you? Are you getting much sun lately? 
Me? Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one on the show. <laughs> that was a blonde moment. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I'm used to people calling me Radix. So I hear my own name and I'm like, who's that? I Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say Radix from here on out. But. I, um, you know, I understand. I actually get that. I, I've had that moment before where people, people called me Zach and I was just like, you know, who's that? What's going on? But yeah, either way. No, but, um, I did get some sun on my trip to Michigan, you know, but not really. Not a ton. I can't imagine. No. No, no. All right. So, well, listen, thank you very much for coming back on the show. Appreciate it. And I want to give a big shout out to our mutual friend, Joey, for uh, setting this up and, and, yes. and getting you back in here. Joey's uh, a good dude. What's up, Joey? I yeah. bet you're watching. No, I'm <laughs> you sure he is. <laughs> and I also noticed you have an Adams Family pinball game behind you in your home. That is super cool. Isn't that awesome? I yeah. love the Adams Family. <laughs> and pinball machines are really fun. It is a, it's a classic, you know, you gotta, gotta play it one day. It has like the, the hand, like the thing, you know, this just yes. comes out and grabs the ball at, at certain points. It takes it though. So it disappears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you lose the game, but it's fun. It is cool. So and actually I was watching Adam's family values on the plane ride back home. <laughs> You know what I just learned today? I think that uh, Netflix has garnered the rights to the Adams Family, and they're making a woke 21st century version of it. No. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> They can't ruin it. Of course they will, though. They do with everything. They have to take everything that worked, everything that was good, and just destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's their modus operandi, pretty much. Uh, but, you know, yeah. the good news is it's going to fail. Nobody's going to watch oh, it. Yeah. And the people who do, they're going to write scathing reviews, and it won't be renewed for a second season. Then the rights will hopefully revert back to somebody who knows what they're doing. Right? Didn't they yeah. just do this or try to do this with like Resident Evil, and it was immediately yeah. it was a mess. <laughs> Resident Evil was a mess. Oh and my god! Yeah, it was canceled uh, pretty much immediately after it was it was released. So that's kind of where, where I'm like getting my my cue on this particular thing is because you know this just keeps happening over you would think that these companies would be interested in making money and i'm sorry this is like not the subject of the show but no i know but (laughs) you know at at a certain point like these companies they have got to realize that if they want to make money if they want to stay in business they can't keep trying to shove this woke propaganda down the throats of americans and you know the rest of the people in the world who used to enjoy entertainment things and uh you know it's stuff to watch it's just now we are uh lucky enough to have uh in- incredible people like yourself out there doing excellent research and let's be honest it's uh it's a much better use of one's time uh if instead of watching a brainless television show they end up diving into say you know your Substack or something like that because yes you've put a lot of work into this uh let's uh let's begin with what sent you down the rabbit hole specifically on looking into the FBI and their programs uh, to develop these sort of manufactured events? Um, the FBI specifically, I mean, I've sort of been like in, in looking into like the national security apparatus for a while. But the FBI to me was like 
it's sort of like the secret police. You know, you've got basically like a federalized police force and they're very similar to like the KGB. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I knowing what I know about like J. Edgar Hoover. Um, I sort of started looking into like, you know, it, this was at the time I think I was researching Jeffrey Epstein and like these kind of brownstone operations. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I need to look at the FBI a little bit more. And every single thing I was looking at, there's just seems to be some connection to the FBI at some point. You know, someone's talked to an FBI agent or whatever. And I had already gone into like the um the MK Ultra CIA programs type thing. So I know that like they do messed up stuff. Um, but the FBI is needs to be abolished, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I I feel like, you know, sort of in the research community, people focus more on like the CIA and stuff like that. And they, you know, we know that the FBI is corrupt, but there's not a whole lot of talk about them. The scene is like, I don't know, maybe less, especially for things like mass shooters and stuff. People always think MKUltra and the CIA. And they're rarely looking at like the grooming aspect of like what the feds are doing in their nationwide network of informants. You know, the um, East German Stasi at the height of their power, they only had 189,000 informants. The FBI has well over 500,000. Oh, wow. Probably more. And where, do we, where do we get that number, Radix? Where do we get that own, number? From their own reporting. They tell mm. us there was a report that came out earlier this year that had the figures it's 536 million that they spend on these informants they're confidential human sources so they'll tell you you know wow. they need the money to have this network of informers and a lot of people who they have acting as informants are people that are career criminals mm-hmm. you know people like steve robson from the michigan fednapping plot which i'm sure we'll talk about in more detail he was like a 20-year felon criminal they're not like they're not even trustworthy people (laughs) these aren't people that should be doing police work we'll just say that then that's not what they're doing anyways no and and you know the reason that the fbi is is grooming these people as kind of their entree into the criminal underworld is because i mean like think about uh the, the rallies we've seen where people are like you know those are feds i mean you can just point them out These guys look stiff. They don't look like they're naturally supposed to be in that position. So they reach out to their criminal contacts. They groom them uh, into uh, uh, providing them information. They pay them. They allow them to act with impunity to uh, even though they're not supposed to, but they overlook it when they commit criminal acts. Uh, I mean, think about Whitey Bulger, what he was able to get away with the entire yes. time that he was acting as an informant. It's so funny that you brought that up. Yeah. You know, he was also MK Altered in prison back was, in the day. Yes, I was going to say that, too. <laughs> I, I, want, I wanted to go back to that point that you made, because you're right. I, everybody automatically goes to MK Ultra and they kind of overlook FBI, even though, like I was saying in the introduction, Virtually every case that I've ever looked into, you know, you can find that, well, you know, the person was known to the FBI before or they were specifically being groomed or they were provided with bomb making materials or the, you know, recently in the in these uh, these the mass shooter in New York. Turns out he was chatting with an FBI agent in a discord server. I mean, it just it goes on and on. And, And and I think that this points to a larger problem that we have, because 
people tend to like simple explanations. They like to be able to say, well, you know, it's the FBI, it's the CIA, you know, it's it's the Muslims, it's the Jews, you know, whatever it is. They want to have that one group that they can single out because it's easier to reconcile in their heads. But we're talking about networks of people that cross boundaries and and that can move in between these different worlds. Take Peter Strzok, for example, who was employed at the FBI, but he was also employed at the CIA. And it's arguable, (laughs) perhaps maybe he was only a CIA agent posing as an FBI employee so that he could then use the power of the FBI to run CIA operations to take down Donald Trump. CIA can't legally operate here in the United States, but the FBI sure can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And how many other uh, liaisons, you know, do they have at the FBI? It's pretty crazy when you think about it. It is wild because the CIA also was trying to like overtake the NSA. You know, the other one of the other cases that I had covered um, was the Vault 7 stuff. Mm-hmm. with Joshua Schulte and Schulte had gone from <laughs> this is so weird he'd gone from working at the NSA to being uh, a software engineer for the CIA mm-hmm. and so it's the inversion of Snowden who went from the CIA to the NSA I was just and did say. the biggest damage there right yep. Schulte did the same thing but to, for the CIA but the opposite from NSA to CIA so I just think that in itself is kind of odd kind of interesting right like there's maybe perhaps something going on with the nsa and the cia but their cyber directorate uh was created to basically like replace the nsa they used to have to go to the nsa to get um to get like permission and to do these cyber operations and then they just created an entire hacking force a global hacking base uh which was run out of um a consulate in Frankfurt, Germany. <laughs> uh, and so after the Snowden revelations, though, the CIA took preeminence, their cyber director. We don't really know how big it was, but they essentially had their own air force with the drone fleet that they have. They mm. just started replacing like these other agencies that could act as sort of like a check on what they were doing that they'd have to get permission from. It's really uh, on a side tangent, very interesting when you think about that. No, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, and that's not too surprising. I mean, the CIA, it seems, has always sought to kind of implement itself as a a standalone, like global power purveyor. You know, I mean, they want to control the United States. They want to control the levers of power all across the world. And I can imagine uh, that they certainly wouldn't want to have anybody like the NSA uh, looking over their shoulders to ensure that they're doing the right thing. That was, uh, I actually, what you said there about, you know, uh, Schulte being the, like, the inverse of Edward Snowden, that's yeah. something that I thought about at the time, you know, because, I mean, Edward Snowden kind of looks like maybe he was like a Peter Strzok type. Like, he never really left. I don't think anybody leaves the CIA. No. When you are employed by the CIA, you know, you're always going to have a loyalty to them. So then he leaves, he goes to the NSA, and then he leaks all this information. And then Schulte goes from the NSA to the CIA and leaks all this information. Uh, well, like, like, you know, did did you wonder if that was perhaps a bit of payback for what Edward Snowden had done earlier on? Yes. And I have read um, a lot of the court documents and things that Schulte himself talked about and complained about. And it, 
he the way he described himself was like he was a patriot that was like fighting for his country you know he's very different from edward snowden and uh, i did kind of think that because if you look at what he he exposed vault seven the um vault seven and vault eight it is what the cia created to replace the nsa mm-hmm. um so it just seems like, oh, <laughs> that's very convenient for the NSA to, because then all of their cyber tools were burned. Did they have to start right. going back to asking permission from the NSA for this stuff? And it kind of was like egg on their face that like, we know what you're, what you're doing now. You know, you're not, you're corrupt too. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, all of these spying operations, including on American citizens. I mean, Vault 7 stuff was crazy. Some of the uh, cyber tools that they had used where they put backdoors into everything, everything, including Samsung TVs. They can turn them on um, as a like microphone, uh, probably your laptops, your your phones. I mean, it's, it's essentially any smart device that uses Android as an underpinning, which I mean, that's going to be virtually every smart device in your home. You know, I mean, if it's a light bulb or your fridge or even a toaster, but certainly yeah. your your phones and tablets and computers. Anytime somebody uh, like in the chat will ask, you know, how do I ensure I'm not being spied upon? <clears throat> and I'm like, just, you know, put everything you own in a Faraday bag and go out to the middle of the woods. I mean, there's really honestly, there's no way other than that to ensure yes. that. You're not going to be spied on. I mean, if if there is an electronic device that's around you, I just always assume the government is listening. And of course, why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everybody puts everything out there anyways, which is, you know, kind of crazy. Because I remember back in the day, it was like a super big deal. Um, I forget what it was, but somebody had created like some database. It was Main Core, right? Main Core was part of continuity of government where they put together a list of like people that you know, in the event of some national security thing that the the government has to implement continuity of government, here's a list of people who could be troublesome, Mm -hmm. like dissidents, right? People that you would round up. Um, So they created a database called Main Core. Main Core um, was created sort of like a uh, modified version of the Promise software that Robert Maxwell had weaponized with the Mossad. So anyways... The main core database had things in there like it was tied to books people had checked out from the library. And people thought that was a really big deal. Like, oh, my God, the government knows what books we've been checking out from the library. Got it. The if 80s, only. If... <laughs> now, look, you got your Amazon, your Amazon wish list. Everyone knows what you're reading, what you're ordering, what clothes you're buying. You put all of this stuff out there and tell people like what you're doing every single day, who your friends are, who your social network is. And it's it's just kind of funny to think about how far technology has progressed, you know, since that time where this would be a really big deal to people that the government knows what books we check out of the library in the 80s to now being in the 2020s. And they know literally everything. Well, and, about and you. even if you're not putting it out there, like, you know, openly, if you're not using Facebook, you're not using any of these social features that have now been baked into basically every app that's connected to your phone or to any account that you have. I mean, they just 
track your phone. I, I mean, they already know our device IDs. They know what our SIM card numbers are. I mean, that's in a database somewhere that has a pipeline that goes directly to the national security apparatus. I mean, they could quite literally track you anywhere. And, uh, you know, it, it, the only way that they could not use your phone to track you is if you had a burner phone that you never turned on around any of your other devices because they also associate associated devices with it. So if you have a burner phone and your regular phone, you have the regular phone on, you turn the burner phone on, they automatically are going to know that that SIM card is in close proximity to the other SIM card, and then they're going to check and they're going to see where it's moving. So, yeah, it's almost impossible to be completely anonymous in today's world. Yes, you can do exactly. it, but <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> Yeah, go live on a private island or something <laughs> with yeah. no electronics. But even then, we're now going to have drone technology, which probably by 2030 is going to be everywhere. They're going to mm. have drones so small with such high quality cameras that you are not going to be able to evade this stuff. And it's the same with like these ring devices. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon, they don't just have the ring thing, but they had another program that they were using where they were installing these glass circles with their uh, 360 view camera and they were putting them in neighborhoods. I forget what it was called, maybe the Safe Neighborhood Project or something. But it's so you can literally not... There's nothing you can do to opt out of that. They're going to be filming your neighborhoods now. And then they were putting this on a map to show like that they they were doing entire neighborhoods, not just one street, but an entire neighborhood under surveillance. Like that's creepy. And because they're using commercial private companies, they can do whatever they want. Like they can bypass the constitution and your protection constitution yeah no, apparently it's, no it's totally true and also uh with uh with uh, those ring cameras uh they have uh well they will they will you, in in the end user license agreement you have to abide by the idea that they can take your footage and use it at any time they create essentially uh like a uh, like a little grid in each neighborhood and each of those ring devices can communicate with the other ones and they share data and they can use it. So let's say the, the cops uh, chase a car down the street and they just call Amazon and say, hey, we want all the footage of people driving down this street between this time and this time. And they'll get it and they'll give it to yeah. them. And, and that's it. You know, they don't have so, to get a warrant. They'll just no. give it to them. Yeah, that's yeah, what's so creepy about this stuff, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's not going to be utilized against the power elite this is stuff that will only be used against us and the ultimate goal of this by the way is to get everybody into the un smart cities Mm -hmm. this is sort of off topic but it is kind of terrifying because the smart cities i think are going to be designed to be super attractive right you're going to have all these conveniences oh look how look at this you know we can calibrate the temperature of your toilet or whatever the heck it is going to be. It's going to look like real fun and cool. And people are going to want to be put into these like slave camps because they're going to be so attractive with all these conveniences and all these nice things, the internet of things, all this creepy stuff. Um, and then they're going to have the drones and then they're going to have robotics. You've seen some of the, crazy robots they have coming out the ones that look like dogs and stuff are now oh, can yeah. stand up and they can arm them like freaking robocop shit you yeah. know that's what i think is their ultimate end goal is to get everybody corralled into these un smart cities under the 2030 sustainable 
whatever agenda and then have the the drones and the robots running things well there's there's no such thing as police brutality when it's a robotic police officer that's committing (laughs) the violence because you know they can uh, plausibly say you know well the person was breaking a law and the robot is only programmed to do such and such and uh, if that person hadn't been doing that stuff, then they wouldn't have gotten, you know, their arm broken by by the robot or whatever. Yeah, you know, right. and being a fan of science fiction myself, I mean, the, what you're describing is the world that has been portrayed in uh, popular science fiction for for decades. You know, and uh, on that note about the smart cities, I'm sure you've heard about the line in Dubai. It's like a hundred mile long city. It's only, I don't know, 50 feet. It's got to be longer, wider than that. But it's very skinny, very, very long. And it's supposed to have uh, pneumatic rail travel underneath. So you can get from one end to the other end in like four minutes. And so everything is positioned along this line. And it might be in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. If anybody knows in the chat, please let me know. But it's called The Line, and it's going to be the city of the future. And the idea is that they're going to sustainably keep people living in a very tight spot. Everybody is just on this track. It goes up, but it doesn't go out. Uh, And again, it makes it very easy for people to be controlled, very easy for people to be monitored. Uh, And certainly, you know, if if the if the threat is you spit and they're going to cut your hand off by uh, by Robocop, you know, I mean, Nobody's going to do it. People are going to uh, to be living a, a very, uh, a very, very calm and nice life. But what kind of a life is that uh, to be under the threat of all that stuff all the time? And we're kind of living under that threat right now. I mean, we've got these programs that the FBI runs. We've got uh, the grooming of these criminal actors, uh, the people who commit these horrible acts designed, I would say, probably to keep people afraid, uh, to make them feel that they're not safe anywhere. And, you know, then we fear each other. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, we're, we're thinking, oh, thank God the FBI is, is saving us. But they're the ones who are. Yeah, right. yeah they're the ones who are creating this. It, it's this kind of, I don't know, just this this really uh, circular reasoning. And none of it is, it is any good. Now, you you mentioned PatCon earlier. Can you define PatCon for the audience? Yes, PatCon stands for Patriot Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. PatCon operations were uh, run by the FBI in uh, probably the late 80s, uh, most well-known through the 90s. We did not learn about what PatCon was, though, until uh, 2007. And the only reason we found out was because of some documents that came out through a lawsuit. And, you know, I think everybody has heard of, like, COINTELPRO, right? The Absolutely. FBI's... Um, counter dissident movement in the 60s and 70s where they were infiltrating these anti-war leftist um, groups right and so everyone knows about that though because a lot of those groups were brought uh to you know there was some kind of prosecution of these people like the weather underground whatever so but, we heard but they got about, off though by and of large course. they got off so yeah, right yeah that makes- a lot of these leftists did like look at yeah. susan rosenberg who put a pipe bomb in the Senate or whatever, and is now running the money for BLM. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Pardoned by uh, Bill Clinton, I think, or something like that. And then you have, um, you know, uh, what's their, I can't remember their names. Bill Ayers. Bill Ayers, yeah, they were really good friends with Barack Obama. They're Basically, now like he's adopted professors. father. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, right? But so everyone knows about COINTELPRO from that. And because there were court cases that were brought against this, the documents came out and it was this big thing. Everyone's heard of COINTELPRO. PATCON was COINTELPRO aimed at the radical right and Christians. Um, and we don't have a lot of information about it because the groups that they had infiltrated in the 80s and 90s, um, they're, they weren't doing like the illegal acts that these people were trying to push them to do. So it never went to that phase of like going to court, documents come out. Um, it's a really wild story, but just to give some background for PatCon, there was PatCon 1, PatCon 2, PatCon 3. There were over 23 militia groups that were infiltrated by the feds during this time. So I was going to say, Timothy yeah. McVeigh, I mean, wasn't that part of PatCon as well, the, yes. the group that they placed him in? Yes, that was PatCon. Yeah, mm. so PatCon, Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City, these are all... They're the classic PatCon operation. So I'm sure your audience can understand what happened at Ruby Ridge was atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy Weaver had like a, uh, you know, a gun that the barrel was sawed off like just a one eighth of an inch short of the legal regulation. And they used that to try to say, we want you to act as an informant for us mm -hmm. and go into the Aryan nation. And he was like, what? I have kids like I'm just out here trying to live off the grid like no I don't want to do that I'm not going to act as your informant and because of that they you know had this siege at his property they killed his dog they killed his wife they killed his kids it was disgusting and they got yeah. away with it of course shot, shot his wife in the head while she was holding their baby if I'm not mistaken yes yeah yeah totally unprovoked um, and like nothing was done to rein these people in back then. All of the people that were involved in Ruby Ridge, Waco, they all were promoted, mm -hmm. you know, and, and told that they were heroes. How disgusting. How many I don't I don't remember how many women and children died at Waco, but you know, I can remember being a 72. kid. Thirty two. Okay. Seventy two. Seventy two. Okay. Almost Excuse 100. Me. Yeah. So I remember being a kid and watching that on uh, on the news and you know, uh, like, you know, just listening to the, the rhetoric of what they were saying and the way that they were trying to portray them, even at that time, just did not sit right with me. You know, it, it, it seemed like these were, uh, you know, these federal agents acting as aggressors to come in and uh, try to destroy these people who, who wanted to be left alone. And, you know, I, I, I can't speak specifically to what David Koresh was doing. They say that uh, he was uh, uh, marrying younger girls. Uh, well, you that know, was, yeah, I, I don't know. Story, but he, he never got a trial. So so we exactly. don't really know that. The only thing we know, know that story ran in the paper the day of the siege. Oh, the yeah. day The siege began. They published the story about him, like having sex with children and stuff like that. And people have been interviewed that were part of um, the Branch Davidians and said, no, it was never a thing. So I don't know if it was or not. I haven't seen any evidence to suggest it was, but it's very convenient, the timing of that spread. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, day, <laughs> the day that they go and attack the place, you know, you and this was the, you know, one of the first times I think where they had used like military weapons, you know, they brought in like a, um, a tank, you know, that's what uh, I remember the most. 
that yeah. tank going through. And I think that there there was some gas or the, some extra incendiary devices that they used. I mean, certainly they, they set did. the place on fire and they yes. they just murdered those kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, they were flying over at one point. One, there was one of these teenagers there that was cleaning a. Um, I forget what they're called. They're these tall things where they you store your like crops or whatever. Grain silo. And, yeah, yeah. He's in a silo, so there's no like roof on that. But he was in there cleaning or whatever, and they had this helicopter drive by, and they just went bup bup bup, and like just shot this kid, sixteen oh, year old kid, wouldn't let his parents go collect his body. It's horrific, the idea that they would do this. <clears throat> you know, and, and I wonder, you know, what was the real reason behind it? You know, why was it so important to Bill Clinton and Janet Reno that uh, that they go in there with this overwhelming show of force? Um, you know, I mean, maybe it was just that they wanted to be left alone and uh, they felt that it was too dangerous to kind of allow people to, to, you know, go down that path, you know, after what happened at Ruby Ridge. Uh, after uh, what happened at um, at the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, certainly, that was another one when I was a kid. I remember when they first released the pictures of John Doe 1 and 2, the artist renditions. Yeah. Because John Doe 2, the one that completely disappeared, who they just, mm-hmm. you know, evaporated into the ether, um, he looked just like this guy who lived in my neighborhood. And what? Yes, oh, yes. Wild. And then And then when... Um, uh, who's the other guy from uh, from Michigan that's still alive in prison? Um, Terry Nichols. Terry Nichols. Terry Nichols. Yeah. Terry Nichols also being from Michigan. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, this it, interesting. Yeah, it it made yeah. me think. You know, is this guy who lives around the corner is that John Doe too? But then, you know, John Doe too ceased to exist, and they were only looking for Timothy McVeigh and then Terry Nichols, and um, you know, the stuff that's come out about Tim McVeigh. Uh, it's just it's earth shattering, so damning to the federal government, uh, because oh, yeah. it's, I think it's really clear that he was definitely on a number of different payrolls, probably doing another Peter Strzok move, you know, uh, employed by clandestine yes. forces, the CIA, also working directly with the FBI and specifically trying to set people up. I mean, you you read the yeah. accounts of people you know, who he went, he went to visit Bill Cooper. Oh, I didn't. I was not aware of that one. Did you know that? And uh, the uh, Bill Cooper was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" He was like, "Oh yeah, we got to go." You know, it was something dumb like we've got to go. You know, do do a terrorism. You know, hey guys, do a terrorism. (laughs) What are you doing this weekend? (laughs) Hey Bill, let's go do a terrorism. Wow. Bill Cooper was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Did Bill talk about that on the air? He did. He did. And he was killed very shortly after that. Mm -hmm. But he tried to get like he tried to join their militia group or whatever uh, Bill Cooper's group was and specifically showed up at his house, which is just kind of crazy. I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, you're fine. Timothy McVeigh was doing all this crazy shit. He was saying all this wild stuff, you know, as we would say in the modern age, Fed posting, Fed casting type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the CIA connections, there, there's tons of them. There's like 12 different CIA connections. But I also think that at the time he died, he's still listed as being in the employment of the 
military. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that he was obvious he was sheep dipped. I don't even know if he actually died. I don't know if they put him to death or not. I think he's, you know, out there somewhere on some island on a beach, you know, job well done. You know what I mean? I, absolutely. No, I know that's it's the uh, the Epstein connection yeah, again, you know, like, yeah. did they actually kill him or did they allow him to uh, enjoy a quiet retirement someplace in the Pyrenees? And um, somebody in the chat, uh, Joe H1, he says Waco started off as an ATF raid. That's right. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Forgot that they were looking for automatic weapons, um, you know. Uh, right. who, but again, who knows if they were truly automatic or if they were just using that as a pretense to go in because they thought they had too many weapons. Um, you know, the Second but Amendment. They owned them all legally. That's, that's what they, how David Koresh made money. They would go to yeah. gun shows and they would sell these guns. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. The Second Amendment doesn't put a limit on the number of firearms that you can own. I saw very recently uh, some uh, some some ring doorbell footage, ironically, uh, of ATF agents that showed up at this guy's house because he had bought, I think, like two guns at the same time. And they wanted to make sure that he owned both those guns and that he wasn't giving one to somebody else. I mean, they were fairly polite. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's a bit of overreach. I mean, we're ha- I think we have a really real pro- real problem in America right now with the overreach of the ATF because they're not Congress and they are essentially creating laws. And this is really nothing new. I mean, this is what uh, the various agencies of the federal government do. They make these rules, these regulations, these statutes, and we have to follow them as if they're laws, but they don't legally have the right to create laws. So it's kind of a catch-22. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I saw that footage, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I would have told them, get the hell out of here, come back at the warrant, you know? Yeah. Oh, have you made any straw purchases lately? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was another one, by the way, of uh, one of these ATF agents. He had some pizza paper, and he was going to some lady's house, and she called the police, and the police showed up and they chased the guy. Oh my they gosh. They tackled him and arrested him because he was like resisting and he was going into his pockets. He's like, I'm a federal agent. And they're like, Sir, get on the ground now. <laughs> Stop resisting. And That's then he hilarious. was saying stuff like, I have a heart condition. I have a wife at home. <laughs> what? Stop resisting. <laughs> Welcome to real life. You know, I mean, that's what happens apparently if you uh if you don't listen to police officers. <laughs> yeah, so, what, what are you doing? I'm a federal agent, you know, like you've got two cops with their guns drawn on you. And then you start reaching in your pockets and trying to like order people around. Like they have no idea who this guy is. He could be some rando. Sure. I just thought that was hilarious. And the fact that he got tased and put into the vehicle, I was like, you get what you deserve. You know, you do that to people every day. How does it feel? It's a bit of (laughs) twisted justice. Uh, Over here on Rumble, Social Observer says, hey, Radix, can you marry me? Trying to explain conspiracy theories to my wife is a lost cause. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Pam might actually uh, mind about that. How's Pam doing? (laughs) He's doing well. Mm. Oh my goodness. You guys well, are wild. Hopefully hopefully he's listening pamphlet uh I I hope to to see you again soon buddy. Um so let's bring back the Patcon operations to the FBI hoax kidnapping uh on uh, all these guys in Michigan. How how did this begin? 
And uh, I want to know everything we've learned so far, because it seems like little bits of information continue to leak out. Recently, I learned that they had a female FBI agent that was actually sleeping with one of these guys. I mean, that seems that seems like uh, just a, a gross gross miscarriage of any type of justice. And certainly I can't imagine that that would be something they would allow. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, a a male FBI agent, like your superior says to you as a male FBI agent, you know, just sleep with her if you have to, you know, know? I mean, like if that came out in court, I mean, you would think that that would be an immediate mistrial. So how did this all begin? Okay. So we'll go to the beginning. Um, By the way, just um, if people are listening and they're interested, you guys can go to my sub stack. I have a ton of articles on the Michigan case there. I have one specifically about Pat Khan um, and its relation to the Michigan FedNapping plot. Uh, I I kind of go through in there um, a rundown of like everything that happened in the Michigan case. There's a lot of interesting things, probably too much to remember off the top of my head, but I'll just kind of give a rundown of what, what was, you know, what we've learned so far, which was that as we were just talking about the PACCON operations, there were a lot of them. We still don't know everything about these PACCON operations. There's still lawsuits going on right now um, that have been ongoing since like what, 2014, uh, trying to get information about PatCon. Some of the interesting things we learned was that, you know, th- back into the 90s, the feds had infiltrated these militia groups, right? And not only that, but they had contacts in the media. So from part of the PatCon disclosures, there were informants. The FBI had informants in the national news media, like at NBC News, which is really weird. So imagine you're like an NBC News journalist but you're also an fbi informant at the same time isn't that weird well i mean it sounds a (laughs) lot like um um operation mockingbird you know i mean again we go back to the idea that we're always thinking about the cia i mean clearly you know that came out back in the 70s the cia had people everywhere and Mm -hmm. you know and again i think that it just goes to show you that, you know, we're talking about networks upon networks. I mean, there's nothing that says somebody can't be uh, an informant for the CIA and an agent for the CIA and uh, doing the same thing for the FBI. Just depends yeah. on where the information is supposed to go. It's domestic. We give it to the FBI. It's foreign. We give it to the CIA or, you know, they I'm sure they, they wouldn't mind if they got some information on a, on a domestic source at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Just look at Operation Chaos. The CIA was running domestic operations. Mm-hmm. Um, Chaos is from the 60s and 70s. Again, no one was ever held accountable for this stuff. So they can violate their mandate. They do it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and nothing happens. Like we had the church committee hearings. We'll need, we need modern day church committee hearings for the FBI. And they need to be disbanded ultimately. But, so you know, uh that happened so that the context, the historical context is that these militia groups had been historically infiltrated by the feds from at least the eighties and nineties. We're now into 2020 Pat con, like it didn't stop the stuff that they were doing back then. They continue it. They spin it off under a different project name. It's probably not called Pat con one, two, three, whatever anymore. It has a different name now, I'm sure, but it's the same thing. So you have uh, allegedly a militia group called the Wolverine Watchmen that are uh, run by a man named um, Pete Musico and Joe Morrison. 
And there's a Facebook group for this militia. There's like 15 people. It's a a private Facebook group. And a man named Dan Chappell, who we're told is just an innocent citizen who just happened upon this, right? That's his story. Mm -hmm. He's an Iraq veteran. And so he worked for the military. We know a lot of them have direct hire at the FBI anyways. Uh, They have a a program for that. So this guy, Dan Chappell, he claims that in his capacity as a private citizen, he's looking online for groups he can join that are pro-Second Amendment so he can maintain his perishable tactical skills. And so he comes across the Wolverine Watchmen Facebook group. He applies to join. He has to go through a vetting process. He does. He says that he sees anti-law enforcement statements and activity like memes and so he says (laughs) that he then alerts a friend of his who's a police officer and within two weeks what do you know he's working for the fbi um and just to give some background okay he claimed to at that point be working as a truck driver for the uh postal service the Mm. postal service had the icop program like the post office was monitoring people on the internet so there's that aspect to all of this and it just doesn't really make sense of why join the watchman then when none of the members at that point had any military skills joe morrison um, had been a Marine reservist, but he was like a mechanic. He didn't have tactical training. You know, there was no perishable skills that by joining the Watchmen, you're going to be able to maintain. It just doesn't make sense as the the cover story here for how this all happened. But what really happened is some of these guys came on the radar of the FBI. Barry Croft, um, he's a trucker from Delaware, one of the defendants in the case, uh, he had a, a little podcast where he made fun of the feds. He made fun of the FBI, the the nerve of Barry Croft to do that, right? He was an older man, um, I think in his 50s. He's four kids. You know, he was like a sovereign citizen type. But he never had has, like, done anything bad except, like, I think back in the day, a burglary or something like that. But not anything like a terrorism. Mm-hmm. So, um Anyways, he kind oh, of is, and, and and also social observer said that uh, he's just kidding. He he loves his wife. Oh, <laughs> we knew that. Yes, we all knew. We all knew. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you've got these random guys like Barry's in Delaware. The FBI starts monitoring him because of uh, posts he made on Facebook. And this is what I you know for your audience who's listening here. You go on Facebook and you make fun of the FBI. They now call that anti-law enforcement extremism. Wow. <laughs> You're being monitored, okay? He was being monitored back in 2017 because he made fun of Peter Strzok and others. Oh, my God. And talked We're about all screwed, spying. guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're all being watched. Yeah, yeah. So that's how Barry came on the radar, though. And he, at one point, had five agents assigned to him for what? one dude. Yeah, and he's the one, by the way, who the uh, FBI person slept in the slept with him. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, this this group though, the Wolverine Watchmen, this man infiltrates them. Dan Chapel, he is he becomes the FBI informant. Within two weeks, the FBI is running an operation. Right, they open it as a TEI, 
investigation, terrorism enterprise investigation, which is the highest uh, level uh, terrorism type investigation. And, and you have to get approval from higher ups at the FBI. It, basically, you have to get paperwork signing off saying this is a legitimate terrorism operation. Typically, it involves interstate terrorist terrorist activity. So the reason you have to get a superior to sign off on it is because TEI has access to all of the tools at the FBI's disposal Mm. and sort of in a way uh, close to like an unlimited budget. You know, you can get the MRAPs, you know, and all this other crap. Stingrays. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he had to get approval. The um, the FBI agent there, the main one, Jason Chambers, he had made statements, you know, text messages came out where he said to the the higher ups at the FBI, I'm running this as a TEI, whether you guys approve it or not, I'm going to run it as a TEI. So was there pushback from anyone at the FBI as to the seriousness of this investigation? Yes, Yes. at that point. Well, that's refreshing to hear. There was no plot or anything like that. You have a group of guys that are like posting memes um, in a chat room and you have an informant there. But there's no like there wasn't a plot to kidnap anybody at that point. But then the FBI got involved. (laughs) Mm -mm. So uh, but there was a little pushback, but they let him do it anyways. They eventually approved it. Um, A caller's a caller, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're going to go for it. And so there, and we learned recently that they have imposed these quotas anyways to kind yep. of manufacture these cases. We, we, you know, classify something as DVE, their new term for domestic violent extremism, which can be right. anything, you know, just yep. like anti-law enforcement sentiment can be literally anything. Like mm-hmm. you criticize the FBI for being corrupt or a police officer for using like excessive force. Oh, you're now an extremist. You know, so anyways, um, this guy, Big Dan is, is what they called him. He infiltrates this group and he says to them that he is a, a veteran. That was true. He was an Iraq war veteran, but he told them he was part of the elite unit that rescued American hero sniper Chris Kyle. Oh. So he's presenting himself as like an operator to these guys. And so they're they're going to defer to him and respect becomes, his position. Yeah, he becomes the leader of the group. Very quickly, he's made second in command of the Wolverine Watchmen. Um, Musico and Morrison aren't really running the group anyways. It's like it's their group, but they're not really doing much with it. Dan is the one that starts doing what they're calling field training exercises. This is their defensive training. So... Um, at this point, you know, there's nothing really going on with these guys. They're not doing anything. But Dan is kind of pushing them to do tactical training um, and things like that. Hold these field training exercises. Militarizing so, uh, them. Militarizing them. The government is training them and pur- purchasing the equipment, giving them equipment, you know, and then teaching them how to do, like, tactical retreats and stuff like that. Did these guys even have guns before the FBI started supplying them with this material and equipment? They did, but they didn't even know how to use them, really. The FBI taught them how to use them and then taught them what gear to get. When Dan started running the training exercises, they created these shoot houses, right? And by the way, I've talked to one of the guys who's been acquitted. His name is Brandon Caserta, a friend of mine now. Uh, He said that 
they were doing uh, defensive training, right? And like, not just that, but like medical training. So these field training exercises that the government presented as this militaristic, you know, stuff, like they were, they were uh, planning like how they were going to kidnap the governor and they were using these shoot houses to try to practice it. That's not what it was at all. They were not in any way uh, modeled after the governor's vacation home or anything like that. It's literally made out of like, plywood and it's a a room and they were doing um like learning how to do a tactical retreat how to clear a room they did defensive training and so at these field training exercises um they they were being encouraged to invite people right so um they would present them as like a family friendly event, you know, Oh, you know, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to have beer. We're going to be grilling. There's a pool. The kids can swim. And then we're going to be doing this stuff over here. Mm -hmm. So you think as a normal person that gets invited to one of these training exercises that, Oh, this is a really cool. It sounds like a really fun day. Sure. Hanging out with the guys going shooting. Yeah. Brandon, when he was invited uh, to the field training exercise, he was in a a Facebook group or a group with like 60 people in it. And someone said, oh, yeah, you know, you're you're close to our area. Why don't you come to one of these field training exercises? We're going to teach defensive uh, weaponry. And this is during the uh, BLM riots. It's during COVID lockdowns where they're, you know, you guys remember they were burning down the country and they were looting stores. So yeah. this guy's like, oh, I can learn how to use a firearm. I'm going to go attend this training. He walks into an active TEI investigation, sprawling with informants and feds, and he never committed a crime. We know this because the feds spent two years looking up his ass with a magnifying glass. If he'd mm. done anything they would have been able to present that at trial, but they didn't. He wasn't even a member of the Watchmen, but he attended some of these field training exercises. So they tried to say that he was part of this plot, even though he, there were some of these exercises he never attended. uh, And in his mind, he was thinking, okay, I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm going to learn defensive training. Right. And because he was somebody that is not stupid he was aware of like what feds do and stuff like that. Um, and so he thought, as long as I'm not committing a crime, I'm safe. You're not. It doesn't matter. He said that what they would do, uh, that the FBI informants would have the guys gather around. They, they're supplying these people with booze and food. They sit them around a campfire. Everyone's drinking. You got four people wearing recording devices and they would say things like, Oh, when do you, when would it philosophically speaking, hypothetically speaking, when would it be okay to use force? And then when someone responded, they would take that 17 second clip, play it at trial without the context of what was said before to say, see, look, these guys are violent and they were planning offensive violence. Mm -hmm. This is what they do from a four or five hour recording. They're playing 17 second clip, a minute and 18 seconds. And they're trying to craft a narrative. So, well, let me let me ask you this, Radix. Was did they have effective counsel? Were these guys able to hire attorneys or did they have to go with public defenders? um, Because it became such a high profile case, they did get private attorneys. Some of them, not all of them. Two of these guys took plea deals 
Uh, the first person to take a plea deal was a man named Ty Garvin. He took a plea deal, I believe, in just November or December. They were arrested October 7th of 2020, mm-hmm. right, of course, before the election. Yeah. So co- convenient timing, right? Uh, he took a plea deal, though. Um, and then Caleb Franks took a plea deal in March, right before the trial began in March of 2021. And it was really weird because he seemed to be fighting it uh, just with the other guys. But they basically they knew at once some of the discovery had come out about what the feds were doing, how many informants there were. They go, oh, shit, this is starting to look bad for us. We've got to get another guy to turn. He had been getting Suboxone like mailed into prison for him and they got him on that and said, we're going to charge you with extra stuff. That investigation, by the way, is still ongoing. And so um they basically put the screws to this guy and forced him to take a plea deal also right before trial. So two took a plea deal that left four people and they were lucky enough to be able to get good attorneys because it was a high profile case. You've got some defense attorneys that want to, you know, fight the case, which was interesting because in some of these other cases that I have investigated, the FBI typically targets people who are indigent, people who are poor. Right. Like Adam Fox, the guy who they claimed was the ringleader of this case. He was a homeless man living in the basement of a vacuum repair shop. Yeah. That is the kind of person that they target, people that are vulnerable and that no one's going to care about them. Well, and, you and, know, th- this you is know. also something I- I've seen in a number of other cases. I mean, people who are you know, low IQ. I mean, people who are are not particularly sharp or even people who are like developmentally disabled. I I mean, over and over again, we see it because uh, I'm specifically reminded of that case where an FBI informant was trying to convince uh, a a young man. I think he was like 19 or something like that. uh, But he had like some severe form of autism. Uh, He was developmentally disabled. I think he had like schizophrenia too. And the parents were like, you know, who is this adult guy coming around, hanging out with our kid, trying to show him how to use guns and stuff. And he did the same thing. He tried to entrap him. I I don't even know what happened with that case. It kind of just disappeared into the ether. Um, But they fought it. I I mean, they were like, you know, this guy entrapped our son, somebody who is not in a position to truly conceptualize what it is that he's being asked to do. And if it wasn't for this guy from the FBI, he never would have been involved in any of this stuff. And it sounds like the exact same thing is true with these guys here in Michigan. How many informants did they have overall uh, working with this handful of of guys? At least 12. And once that wasn't enough, right, they had a network of informants, the 12 informants. You know, towards May, they've been investigating these guys since March. There's still nothing going on. There's no plot. We've got to get a plot going. Come on, push them to do something concrete. Then they introduced two undercover FBI agents, Mark and Red. Red posing as an explosives expert. So it's, you know, there's nothing happening. And they continuously try to push these guys. So the, the investigation began in March of the Facebook group, Dan starts turning it into field training exercises. And at a certain point, there's a rally. It's an anti-lockdown rally that occurs in Lansing, Michigan. You've got a a bunch of uh, militia guys and just anti-lockdown folks that show up and uh, Big Dan's wearing a wire. There's less than a dozen Wolverine watchmen there that day. But Dan says into his wire, which is 
being transmitted live to the FBI handlers. He says, oh, something's going on. I think that they're going to storm the Capitol. I think they're going to do something violent. Mm. So the FBI, the Detroit field office of the FBI, calls the Michigan Capitol Police and tells them to stand down and open the doors and let everyone in. Oh, wow. So, So... You've got these photo ops. Yeah. Doesn't this sound familiar? This was before January 6th. So everybody knows it's in April of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have uh, these photo ops of the Wolverine Watchmen. People are armed and they're standing inside the, the building. All they do is occupy and then they leave. Nothing violent happens. You know, you know, what's so, really ironic is that I, I remember this day. I remember the protest and I considered going and I'm really? like, oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm really grateful that I, I, I was unable to or I just decided yeah. not to. It was crawling with fans. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> but, yeah, it's so wild. So they get these photos of the Watchmen in the Capitol, like, armed, right? And it's a photo op is what this was. Yeah. But one of the people that's pictured there that day is a man named Adam Fox. Adam Fox is the one living in the basement of the vacuum repair shop. He's not part of the Wolverine Watchmen. He never was. But the FBI, Big Dan says, you know, the FBI handlers say, look look into this guy, Adam Fox, bring him into the group because he's been saying some crazy shit on Facebook. It, very similar to Barry Croft, who also wasn't a member of the Wolverine Watchmen and lived in Delaware, not Michigan. He mm-hmm. was a three percenter. And they're like, because these two are crazy and saying crazy shit on Facebook, but it's all talk. I mean, these guys were, they never did anything. They just talked. So they start pressing to have him brought into the Watchmen. Big Dan befriends Adam Fox. He talks to him every single day for months, calls, text messages, pressuring this guy. And Adam Fox is somebody who is autistic, possibly mentally ill you know, mentally unstable, living in the basement of a vacuum repair shop, he meets Dan and Dan is telling him, you're important. You know, you're like, you're special. You can be part of our group. You should be a leader. We want you. And and everybody else that's part of the group is like, who is this guy? Captain Autism? Like, no one saw him as their leader. No one's going to listen to him. But Big Dan would press the guys. No, no, he's just like us. Let's just let him in, you know. And so Adam Fox is brought into this and they run three different informants on him. They've got an undercover FBI agent and he has created a fake uh, profile on Facebook of a woman called Elise Marie, who's posing as his girlfriend. And they're all pressing Adam Fox and and running him, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's like you've got all these people pressuring you, pressuring you. You're trying to impress. And for Adam Fox, this is someone that didn't have friends. His entire life, he's been like a nobody. He works at a vacuum repair shop, and he lives in the basement of the shop. It doesn't even have running water. If he has to go to the bathroom or brush his teeth, he's got to go to the Mexican restaurant next door. So for him... This is a big deal. People are wanting to be his friends. You know, they're telling him he's important and to do all this stuff. And he he's listening to them because he's somebody that is suggestible. So they tell him, hey, let's go on this ride along and let's surveil Whitmer's cottage. And he's like, "Okay, hey, take a gun and go stand under the bridge and pose for a picture. Okay, And it's the FBI taking these photographs. This it's. 
They were the ones coordinating and running the entire thing. Half of these guys had no idea where they were going when they went on the night ride along. You know, it's so stupid and so insane. Just the lack of a plan. And what they had was like drunk talk. Oh, the other thing, they're getting these guys stoned, not just drunk. They're smoking pot with them. So... Yes. Uh, at a certain point, uh, a meeting is called in Peebles, Ohio. It's a nationwide meetup of militia groups. And what we've learned from this, this was uh, called and shared by Steve Robson, the 20-year felon FBI informant. And he is um, allegedly, you know, the head of the Wisconsin 3%er militia group. So an FBI informant is the head of the Wisconsin chapter of the three percenters and three other heads of the uh, militia groups were all feds. So they have the nationwide meetup. This is how Barry Croft gets drawn and he shows up as a Delaware three percenter. And at one point they're having this meeting. You've got six people (laughs) wearing wires and recording this shit. Uh, Adam Fox was brought by Big Dan and they're talking and Steve Robson is pressing them. We've got to do something. We, we have to have concrete action. We need to have concrete targets, you know, and, uh, at one point Barry stands up. He jumps up out of his chair and says, no, we're not doing anything like that. No kidnappings. No, you know, we, we don't want to engage in violence. And that is not played for the jury. The jury isn't allowed to hear the exculpatory statements that these guys made where they said, we don't want to kidnap the governor. Like, we don't want to do this shit. It's Big Dan, the informant that suggests at one point shooting up governor's houses, driving by and firing bullets into the houses. And then at one point suggests to these guys that we blow up, you know, one of the house, the governor houses. So what was... How was that able to be kept out of the trial? Because, I mean, that seems the judge. OK, what what did the judge say? I mean, why? I don't understand how. Well, let's just say if if their end goal is to put these guys away for life, they, they don't care about the legalities of it. I mean, I just can't imagine and I'm not a lawyer, but I can't imagine what rationale would be acceptable to anyone in a circumstance like that. I mean, the judge must be yeah. bought and paid for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm certain that for the for the defendants, obviously it's very frustrating, but for the defense attorneys, uh, I mean, they've got to be just throwing their hands up. Yeah, exactly. And this continually happens, not just during the first trial, but the retrial is even crazier. Yeah, the judge says it wasn't relevant. Oh, so, we're not going to allow that because it's not relevant. So in How the is first, that not relevant. Oh, absolutely no, it's totally relevant. So in the first trial, you know, what was the end result of that first trial? We had uh, a complete mistrial. Yes, the, there were no convictions of the first trial, which really pissed off the feds because they spent six million dollars on. Mm-hmm. on trying to create uh, a fake terrorism plot just to add some more color to this. These guys were charged with uh, domestic terrorism. They were also charged with weapons of mass destruction. And you know what that was for? A no. fucking firecracker. I'm not oh, kidding. <laughs> a firecracker that these guys tied to a tree and tried to detonate. Like they taped some pennies on it. They put some like black powder in a balloon and like tried to blow it up. The thing didn't even blow up. It just was smoking. And the FBI agents texting like their informants, like, we want to hear an explosion. And, and they're like, 
can't even get these guys to do this right, you know? Wow. <laughs> we can only, yeah, because they wanted to get that on recording, you know? But this, so weapons of mass destruction, because someone put black powder in a balloon and tried to detonate it and like nothing happened in a fire, a firework, which by the way was purchased legally. So. Well, I mean, you can get pretty thing, big though. fireworks in Michigan. Yeah, they were using yeah. the commander in chief one. <laughs> okay. okay. So that's a big one. But it's like, you know, what in the hell? And they, that what they said was, because this was during one of their field training exercises, the tree that they detonated this firework in, uh, it had human silhouette targets hanging from it, which they were using earlier for like shooting practice. They claimed that, oh, well, because you detonated the firework in that same tree and there was a target of a human silhouette, you were planning to kill people. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's the stupidest shit um, that you've ever heard. And this is so bad. The recordings that they were playing, um, these guys were so drunk. At one point, one guy couldn't even stand. They're like, stand him up. You can hear them saying, stand him up. And you hear music playing. It sounds like they're in a fucking bar. And you hear somebody like super wasted he's like hey barry <laughs> like just listening to this like during court like this is what we've got this is your big evidence some guy that's like shit face slurring his words talking about uh yeah you know if i had a group of like 300 guys i could secure the area we could take Whitmer. We're going to fly her over the lake on a kite. I'm not making that up. On they fucking kite? said that. That's the, the nature of this big, dangerous plan. They're going to fly her over the lake on a kite. So these what, are, it's drunk talk. No, no, <laughs> ob- obviously. No way of happening, you know? And then they're like, yeah, we're going to get a Black Hawk helicopter. We're going to oh, sure. secure the airspace, and then we're going to have another helicopter meet at a rendezvous point. It's, it's fantasy. I, it's, it's LARPing shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's clearly. So if you had to pinpoint, what do you think was it in the case, in in the first trial, uh, that, that's, that, that, that secured the hung jury? I mean, what was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, what bit of evidence that was presented or what argument was made uh, so that they didn't get a conviction on those four guys? I think in the first case, uh, first of all, uh, you know, the defense has the element of surprise, right? You don't know what their defense is going to be. Um, and I think that that was a big thing when it came out that there were 12 informants, two undercover agents. The FBI informants ran every aspect of the plot. These guys wouldn't have met each other without for the FBI. The FBI, through their handling agents, were saying things like the mission is to kill the governor specifically. You know, they wanted it to be a multi-state thing. They tried to entrap a 70-year-old veteran, Vietnam veteran in Virginia. Um, his name is Frank Butler. They were trying to get him to come up with a plot to kidnap and kill Ralph Northam. <laughs> they wanted it to be a multi-state. And, and one good thing that we can glean from this is how incompetent the FBI is at <laughs> manufacturing this stuff. You know, But look at that, trying to entrap a 70-year-old Vietnam veteran. Because yeah, he was part disgusting. of one of these like militia groups. You know, One of the few that didn't wasn't headed up by an FBI informant, you know, he, he was in the Virginia three percenters group, 
the Virginia and the Delaware ones, but Barry was the Delaware one. Those were the only two that did not have FBI informants running them, mm-hmm. but the FBI had been surveilling them and monitoring them and trying to get them to do a crime or something like that. So it's just crazy. Um, they tried to get him, they had the FBI informant send uh, instructions to him for how to make a Drano bomb with like Drano and sugar. That's how they tried to set up this 70-year-old guy. So it's just wild. But I think that hearing about that, having it be such a big thing, and it was not just like conservative media that was covering this. You had BuzzFeed, like left-leaning journalists looking at this and going, hey, guys, I think there's something wrong here Mm -hmm. with all of the misconduct and everything. Now, the jury wasn't allowed to hear about in the first case, those exculpatory statements that were made. But the defense was able to argue that, like, look, there, there's no plot here. You've got them playing videos of like these training exercises. They were running, you know, Adam Fox is told he's the head of the Michigan Patriot three percenters, a group created by the FBI. The Facebook group is given to him. It's administered by the FBI. You know, you've got like the, the FBI is telling this guy what to do this entire time. He's really suggestible. And so I think that kind of was the what made that, you know, so obvious. But also one of the guys who was, you know, facing the weapons of mass destruction, one of the defendants, a man named Daniel Harris, he took the stand in his own defense. Nobody else took the stand because typically, you know, you don't do that. It's very dangerous to go in and do that. He's a 24-year-old veteran, disabled veteran. He went on. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. On the stand, and he called Big Dan a bitch. Their lead informant <laughs> called him a bitch. Like, oh, he goes into a Facebook group and he sees memes he doesn't like and it makes him scared. Like, he's a fucking bitch. That's great. I, I like listening to this. Like, oh my god, this is the best day of my life. Some guy <laughs> just went on the stand and called this informant a bitch twice to his face. But what happened with that is Jonathan Roth, the prosecutor, he starts you know hammering into this guy. He's being real aggressive, asking him questions, not giving him a chance to respond and then saying something else. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was listening to this, I'm like, this could go one of two ways with a Michigan jury. This guy, Daniel, since he's young, he's 24. He's a baby face. He looks really young and innocent and sweet. It's going to look like you're attacking like this sure. little boy or it was a smart move and they're going to look at him as like authoritative, you know, and aggressive like the prosecutor. But at the time, I thought this isn't going to go well for them. I think that was a big thing of seeing like that this guy isn't interested in the facts. He's not even letting the kid answer his Mm -hmm. questions, you know, and he didn't trip this kid up. The guy, you know, flat out admitted, yeah, I like to blow stuff up. You know, I was in the military. I sometimes I like to blow shit up because it's fun. Like who's who hasn't done that as a kid, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) Who hasn't wanted to detonate the firework and tape some pennies on it? Come on. (laughs) But so there was that. And I think that that kind of, you know, the the reporting around it, like how everything that came out was it took the government by surprise. And I think that they didn't even know some of the stuff that they had turned over in discovery because they sent tons of discovery material. Brandon told me that the guys were all sitting in jail together. They had nothing to do all day. So they start going through the discovery themselves. They call their lawyers like, hey. Um, we're looking at text messages from the FBI agents to their informants, like telling them, draw this person into the plot, push this person to create a plot, try to bring this guy to the field training exercise. Mission is to kill the governor specifically, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was that that kind of got the the jury um, in the first trial to say, like, we we don't think these guys did anything. Two of them were acquitted, totally free men. The jury found that the feds tried to entrap them. The other two a mistrial was declared. So with this, the retrial of Adam Fox and Barry Kroc, it should have been even harder because now the government has to prove that a guy that was living in Delaware conspired with a guy that was living in Michigan in the basement of a vacuum repair shop, that these two guys came together and conspired to kidnap the governor, which obviously didn't happen. Right. There's no evidence it happened. All they tried to do is smear their smear them and make them look bad. Oh, look here, they're running around with guns at a field training exercise. Look how scary that is. 
you know, and playing these clips out of context. Um, so I think that uh, that's what happened in the first trial, though. The misconduct of the three lead FBI agents, the jury wasn't allowed to know about that. They didn't get to hear about how Richard Trask, the guy who signed off on the criminal complaint, um, beat his wife, tried to kill her. Oh, wow. He attended a swingers party in Kalamazoo, Michigan at a hotel, brought his wife, and she didn't want to cuck him. She didn't want to fuck other men in front of him. So... He when they Good got woman. home, yeah. When they got home, he's intoxicated and he bashes her head against the nightstand a bunch of times. There's blood all over the bed. Then he gets on top of her and tries to strangle her. She only got him off of her because she grabbed his balls and squeezed them as hard as she could. So he's intoxicated. Was, was this incident? Did this occur in the midst of this uh, plot to entrap, or was this before? It had to have been in the midst of it. Oh, my God. Or it happened right after. Wow. That's insane. It's crazy. So he's intoxicated. He flees the scene of the crime in her car. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I have the body cam footage from the police uh, on my Gab TV page. You guys can watch it there. Of the police show up at the house. You can see the blood on the bed for where he tried to kill her. And they're talking to her. And then you can hear them on the body cam saying, oh, shit, this guy's FBI counterterrorism. He could be armed. He knows how to evade law enforcement. Like, they were scared to bring this guy in. And so he's out there driving around drunk. The the cops say on the body cam footage, like, he's intoxicated. They admit that. So eventually they get him on the phone. He agrees to meet them at a parking lot. They show up and he comes out. You know, they open the car door. They say, Richard, come out. He's got blood on his face and on his chest. And he's trying to act like he has no idea what's going on. What happened? He's drunk as shit. He should have been charged with a DUI on top of attempted murder. He didn't get a DUI? No, even though they're saying on the body cam footage that he he fled the scene of the crime intoxicated in his Mm. wife's vehicle. And he was clearly intoxicated when they took him out of the vehicle. It was obvious. So um, it's just wild. He spent one night in jail and he had to pay a $500 fine. That's it. They didn't charge him with attempted homicide, which is what it was. So that's the guy that signed off on the criminal complaint. He was making Facebook posts where he was saying toilet thought of the day and like making fun of Trump and Trump supporters, you know, on his Facebook page. So that came out. He was suspended by the FBI. The other lead agent, the main lead agent, Jason Chambers, he was running a private intelligence company called EXE Intel. Mm -hmm. That company was seeking a multi-million dollar contract with the federal government to advise on cases of domestic terrorism. So the lead agent in the Whitmer plot stood to gain millions of dollars for his little private company, which I don't even know If the FBI knew about, he was supposed to get permission to have it. I don't know if he did. I never saw the form that he was supposed to fill out for that. Um, But he had a Twitter uh, uh, account associated with this company that was basically trying to profit on having insider information about the Michigan case. Yep. I remember when that came out. Yeah. 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 (laughs) X Intel or EX Intel, whatever you want to call it. Trying to boost his uh, his CV so he, he can get a, a a larger payout from the feds. Listen, uh, Radix, yes. where I want to I want to hear about 
the uh, the the retrial of the two guys uh, from the first case. But we've got a couple of callers on the line, so I'm going to bring our first one in. It's uncensored Abe. Here we go. And Abe, go ahead and unmute, buddy. Good to see you. Maybe he's not there. Oh, Where he's he here. Go? There we are. <laughs> Radix, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am uh, hanging in there. I'm hanging Abe, in there. Abe, Great. Abe, Abe, dial, dial down your dial down your game just a loud. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Turn both down. It's good to see you. It's good to see you go both. Great discussion today, and a uh, an important discussion, a very timely one as well. It reminds me of a uh, a lot of things sound familiar from um, you know doing a podcast to watching as Brandon Struck, who happens to be on OAN right now, uh, reenacting uh, the Capitol doors being uh, open from the inside as he watched all that happen. Mm. Uh, you know, having a bunch of us come together to to try to stand up for somebody who couldn't defend themselves, um, to, to hearing a lot of similar uh, discussions, you know, such as, hey, you want to meet Stuart Rhodes? Uh, really? Yeah, just go ahead and bring him to me. I don't even, I never even heard of the dude before, you know, stuff like that. So wow. um, that's some very interesting stuff. And, and you know, it, it is... Um, when you think back to to how how all this stuff has played itself out, the the bigger discussion of the corruption in the FBI and how they can now change squatting techniques. Did you get my message first of all several years ago for an official apology of how I how we uh, separated at Patriot Soapbox? I hope you got that. So if you hadn't heard that, here's an official one from me. Oh. Um, I could have handled that better. Um, so my apologies, but. You know, this has been a hell of a battle for all of us. So I think we can all <laughs> understand that. Secondarily, um, I had I got some information about level three communications and the new age electromagnetic electromagnetic uh, um, things that they can do with phones and stuff like that. And the other reason that was bothering me is because I, TMC at the time was talking a lot about this stuff, and he was going deep into the patents and the different kind of things oh, that were yeah. out there. Remember that? Yeah. And. For me, I was trying to keep the audience a little bit back from the woo-woo because you can lose an audience if you go too far with that. So while while we all understood that that these things are are there's patents for different type of electromagnetic communications and stuff and ways to manipulate the mind. Um when you try to explain that to somebody, how uh, somebody could go in front of the White House and say, my phone keeps talking to me, right? And yes. pull, pull the trigger, right? Yeah, that's so weird. So you know, that um, discussion uh, c- continues in some ways to new squatting techniques. And they can, for instance, um, in, in all of the digs, because I asked you guys a question, in all the digs we've done, what's the worst memory of digging into something with regards to QPost or research mm-hmm. or stuff like that? I, I know, but Radix, you go first. Probably human trafficking. Yeah. Child. Yeah. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. For Zach. me, for me, it was realizing uh, the depth of the blackmail techniques that the intelligence community uses, knowing that they would foster uh, the creation of child pornography and child abuse in order to control an asset. Um, you know, it's one thing if uh, if you're running somebody and they like they like to drink or maybe they like to smoke weed or they like Coke. You know, I mean, you the, the agents overlook that stuff. That's, you know, whatever. That's their own personal lives. 
um, but providing them with children uh, so that they can keep them controlled, uh, you know, using children to entrap and blackmail somebody. Uh, and really just the overall recognition that there is a massive child smuggling, you know, economy. I mean, it's an economy of scale, probably larger than some countries. Uh, and uh, and it's being facilitated by our intelligence community, uh, the Mossad, you know, a- any number of intelligence agencies throughout uh, planet Earth. That one really, really took me. That is a very tough one. Uh, no doubt about it. The, 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 for me, it was somehow we got we did deep dives into the satanic sacrifices yeah. and the audio from that, uh, for instance. So imagine waking up going to sleep, walking down the street and randomly around you, you hear that worst thing you've ever heard in your life. Nonstop. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like a voice to skull type crap. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. But but not just like in a room or not just like staring at a TV or whatever, just like you, you go for a walk and you hear the, the same thing happens to you. It's almost like next level stinger technology used for squatting. So it's mm-hmm. um, it's uh, to, to watch the techniques on how they can really try to get to somebody um, only strengthens people's resolve in a bit of bigger picture. But but, but more importantly, um, I, I think people need to be more aware about what they can do to try to really destroy somebody because they can really get you if they want to. Yeah. And like they did to Adam Fox or Barry Croft, they're going to run like four or five different people at you at the same time <laughs> to try to manipulate you, persuade you. And if you're someone that's suggestible, it's really hard to say no you know, you have to be somebody that's mentally strong um, in order to kind of do that. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, and this is also the number one reason why we said Fed posting earlier. You know, when somebody shows up in the chat and they're like, you know, we need to do this or we need to do that. You know, that's like an instant red flag to me. Or when you see people posting that stuff on any social media, you know, I mean, that person is either unhinged or they're probably a Fed and they're trying to get you to do or say something that's going to incriminate yourself. You know, I mean, in what with what we do, guys. I mean, we're directly in the crosshairs, you know, I mean, like how many times, Abe, have we gotten on the air and said, you know, there's a problem in the FBI. The FBI is corrupt. We, you know, we we need to gut the institution. Uh, You know, I know there are good FBI agents out there, and we've seen that recently with these whistleblowers that have come forward. But, dude. Okay, how long has this stuff been going on? Virtually since the beginning. You know, this is nothing new. It's just that now it's gotten so despicable that people are finally finding that they can't live with themselves. Or maybe they're even newer agents or something like that. You know, I mean, this is clearly a danger not only to the United States of America, but to every patriot out there. You know, PatCon is now what I'm seeing out here in these um, uh, the, these these sheets that are being released. You know, I mean, you've got the militia violent extremists or the domestic violence extremists. I mean, th- these are the, the, the same type of scenario. They want to go to people who love their country and who perhaps are just a little bit suggestible uh, and who maybe need friends and, and make them feel like they're part of a group that make them feel that they're wanted and that they're special and that, you know, they're getting some type of advanced training. And then all they have to do is say something that's going to elicit a response and they can selectively use that. 
to target you and, and exactly. to put you in prison. And it's no mistake that they were looking at guys in a number of different states. If they can you imagine, guys, if they would have right before the election, if they had a kidnapping plot for for Whitmer uh, and, uh, you Northam. know, and say, yeah, Northam, two or three other governors, uh, all of them being perpetrated by, you know, would be patriots. You know, I mean, like that would have been the peace stay resistance, you know, to drop that as an October surprise. Yes, exactly. And they are the political police force. And that is what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. They brought that nationwide group of uh, militia leaders together for that exact purpose. You know, and they had the FBI informant Robson there pressing people to do just that. Let's come up with a plan. Let's have a plot. Let's go after concrete targets. This was all the FBI suggesting this stuff to people Mm. and trying to get people riled up. And you have to remember the timing of it. You know, you're in you have lockdowns. People are out of work. They're getting desperate. You have BLM rioting, looting businesses, burning down. People are losing small businesses that have been in their family for a very long time, like three generations. Imagine the psychological toll it takes that you, you lose that. And then somebody comes up to you, and this is the other thing they were doing. They were pushing credit cards on them that had like $5,000 on them tied to some fake charity Robson claimed to be running. They were trying to get the guys to buy gear, equipment, firearms with the credit cards so they could have a paper trail and say, look at this. They were buying this stuff to carry out a plot. And even the homeless guy turned down the credit cards five times. They tried to push the credit cards on them. Oh, yeah, go buy gear with this. Go buy firearms for our training exercise. It's insane what they did. And it's disgusting. It's egregious. You heard uh, everybody just heard about the misconduct of the FBI handling agents. The third one, Heinrich Impala, he was accused of perjury in another case. The jury did not get to hear about Richard Trask beating his wife. They didn't get to hear about Jason Chambers' private intelligence company. And they didn't get to hear that one of the other feds lied under oath in a prior case. The judge said it just wasn't relevant. Meanwhile, so the if, first if, trial and the retrial, if the tables were flipped and the defendants had anything like this in their history, you better believe it would be considered totally relevant to the case. Yeah. And they would have been able to bring that in. Yeah, they would have said, oh, that goes to their state of mind. Exactly. Because that was what the whole thing was. Were, were they predisposed to commit a crime? Character a, judge. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was there a predisposition uh, for criminal activity or whatever? And so they were going back on these guys, like for things that happened in the 90s or something. You know, th- that's how far back they went into their history, trying to find anything that they could come up with to try to make these people look bad. Adam Fox has never even had as much as a parking ticket in his entire life. He was just really suggestible and really stupid, but he was not ever going to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. He was never the leader of any group. Big Dan was the leader. Fox was brought in and they told him, oh yeah, you can be the head of this state chapter of this militia group, start recruiting people. And they gave him business cards. <laughs> they made him feel special. You wow. know, that's the sad part about this. And and I've talked to Brandon about it as ha- someone that's been acquitted after having been in- involved in this in some way. How do you ever trust somebody again? Knowing that you'd walked into an active TEI investigation, people that you thought you knew you were talking to feds or informants. How do you ever trust anyone again? Like, how do you function? And by the way, Brandon has lost everything. Despite the fact that he's been found not guilty, he can't get a job. He doesn't, he's not, he can't have a bank account. 
no one will do business with him. Wow. So he lost everything. He lost his job, his house, his uh, ability to have a bank account. Even after being acquitted, he's a machinist, you know, he has a very good resume. He's got a job that is in demand, but he thinks that people are looking up his name and, and seeing media articles and immediately just saying, no, like we're, we're not going to be associated with that. Certainly. Uh, which is sad. Even being found not guilty, having not committed any crime, your life is still ruined. So they get you anyway in the end, don't they? Absolutely. They, they really Abe, try Abe, to. Abe, Abe, can you turn it down just like three more decibels, maybe? Wow. Sorry, guys. Okay, That's, uh, okay. I didn't realize it was that high. Um, so so it's interesting. So a couple of things come to mind. Um, first of all, how compartmentalized one's life can be looking in reverse um you know it, it's so for instance i i grind all week doing a doing a show right i, I there's an event upcoming where someone like brandon's doing a doing a walkaway event or something uh you know plane ticket flight uh th- three four day weekend they're back back right into the grind debriefing the event grinding into the news again you know month goes by all of that stuff is is over there in that memory corner. You move to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, right? And you look back at all of that stuff, and you're and you're like, I, I can't even tie some events together anymore. I rem- I remember some some guys at the hotel being like, "You're going into the Capitol." I'm like, "That's the stupidest thing you can do." Yeah, I remember. Right? You know, I remember Stewart being being brought over to me, and, and I'm like, "No, the, wow. listen to me." Listen to me very carefully. If anything happens violent tomorrow, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Yeah. Every effort must be taken to make sure that doesn't happen. And what happens, right? They exactly. they open the doors and make sure it happens and then have more informants of which I, you know, looking back, like flashing some pictures into my head and stuff. Now that I can try to try to draw back from some of this stuff, because it feels like, you know, almost like the a lot, a lot of part of that stuff is just no longer in the memory bank. So Point being, I got to get going here. Okay. Um, compartmentalized assets, talking to other assets that you don't really have any clue who you're talking to. So they're protecting yeah. each asset and then compartmentalized memories somehow where you can't draw on them at times. So it's there's a lot of stuff that you look back at that stuff and you're like, what in the world? You know, so just some perspective there for you. Yeah, that's Absolutely. pretty wild. And, and by the way, the guy that was heading up the D.C. field office on January 6th is a man named Dan Tuono. He was the one that was in, in charge of the Detroit field office during the Michigan case, yep. where the FBI told the Michigan Capitol Police, stand down, let these people in the building. So it's, yeah. And then he went down to oversee Mar-a-Lago. Then he goes, yeah, then <laughs> exactly, the Mar-a-Lago raid. Yeah, Dan Tuono is a piece of shit. But I want everybody to see that like he got promoted from Mm -hmm. head of the Detroit field office because of this case, a fake terrorism event, even though everyone knows what happened. uh, They promote him to be head of the D.C. field office. He's there presiding over everything that happens on January 6th, along with the DOD, by the way. They weren't supposed to be the chain of command. It was supposed to be the DOJ. But General Mark Milley decided that wasn't going to be the case. What was going on there? He outright admitted to like treason in a recent article that came out, which I just yeah, thought I saw was stunning. Just thought it was stunning that he just outright said, like, yeah, you know, we can <laughs> we committed treason. Uh what? <laughs> and nothing it, happens. Like, Jesus, these it's, people. Yeah, it's really frustrating. All right. Well, Abe, I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. 
God bless you both. And Radix, I've been watching your work as much as possible for a long time. Keep up the great work. God bless you. God bless, brother. We'll see you. All right. Awesome. Let me turn us back up here. And uh, let's bring in Trisha, and then we'll uh, get back real quick to the um, uh, the new trial that just recently concluded. Um, one thing that I did notice is, is that this retrial, I know it only had two people, not four this time, but um, you know, it seemed to happen a lot quicker. They uh, they really had it streamlined. You know, it's almost yes. like the first trial was, um, you know, the it, it was their run. practice run, practice run. Yeah, <laughs> trial run. And so they t- they were like, OK, well, we know everything that didn't work in the first case. Uh, we know right. what is going to perhaps sway the jury in the way that we don't want them to be swayed. So we'll ensure that we present it in a certain manner uh, to make sure that these guys get found guilty. And they and they were found guilty. Uh, which is just uh, tragic. So, Trisha, you're on the air. Hi. How you Hi, doing? Raider. Hi. Um, I'm getting better every day. <laughs> okay, good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, Radix, your friend Brandon, um, we've talked about this on Red Pill Show before. Um, we need to build a database of people who have been ruined by our government so that we can give them work. Yes. And, uh, I was Somehow. actually going to ask Radix if uh, if you could put me in touch with Brandon. I would love to have him on the show and make an appeal to see if anybody out there can help him with these things that he's being shut out of. Oh, yeah, he would love that. He's a great cool. guy. Cool. Well, good. And and then the other thing is you mentioned the three percenters. Um, I, I have a voice message on my phone from the district manager of Texas with the three percenters. And I don't know how um, I got how they got my name or anything. I haven't done anything with that voicemail, but I, I, I hear it every once in a while. I don't, I don't remember everything that was said. I just save it. But <clears throat> you're saying it's it's a an FBI uh, organization. Well, it's not it's not all the three percenters. Uh, it, it was just right. that okay. the the FBI was specifically like, you know, running certain chapters, but certain chapters. Yeah. You know, oh. I mean, this is you know, this this goes back, as we were saying to, to COINTELPRO, the, if there is and, and this is, you know, when we say, you know, like infiltration instead of invasion, I mean, you know, my hesitancy to trust people blindly, uh, even though they might appear to be nice people at an at the outset. I mean, you have to realize that anytime there is an organization uh, or a group or a club, you can pretty much bet that the FBI will have infiltrated it in some fashion uh, because they're going to want to keep an eye on it. And unfortunately, in many cases, they end up controlling some aspect of it. And I'm certain that there are good three percenters out there. I'm, I mean, I mean yeah. I've, I've, I've met people before that said they were part of the three percenters. Um, but this is a group that is being focused on by the federal government right now pretty heavily. Um, so, you know, it just it it begs it, it bears without saying that you have to keep yourself covered at any time. So be careful in any type of interactions you have. And certainly if somebody yeah. says anything about violence or doing something that's against the law, that is a big red flag. You know, no, not at all. Take it someplace else. OK, exactly. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, Radix, um, letting people be aware of what's going on. And that was always a very suspicious thing with Whitmer anyway. We we talked about that when it first oh, yeah. happened. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was pretty obvious to, to all of us. You know, I mean, the timing of it, 
was yeah, just too right? perfect, you know? And then as soon as we got the information, I think the first fishy thing I heard was that FBI agent that had the private security contractor firm. Uh, and, you know, he was like running it at the same time and he was presenting yeah. himself as some type of expert while he was running this operation, trying to entrap these guys. And then you find out the the the, the ringleader is, you know, disabled in some fashion, homeless, living in the basement of a vacuum shop. And, you know, and um, obviously there is the, you know, going back to um, uh, uh, Oklahoma City, you know, the Michigan militia, that was like the most well-known citizen militia uh, in the United States. And so the idea that, oh, it's now it's the Wolverine Patriots or whatever it is, you know, I mean, like it immediately invokes the memory of Oklahoma City. There's a psychological component going on there. Uh, That I'm certain the FBI took into account when they made the decision that they were going to run these guys in a specific direction. Yes, exactly. I think that's true. I can't wait till it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're not (laughs) alone. Trisha. And someday. Yeah. Anyway, God God bless you both. And uh, I'll let you get to your next caller. Red pill. All right. God bless you. Good to hear from me. Good to talk to you, too. All right. We'll see you. Okay, so uh, uh, guys, Colin is next on the phone. Colin, don't go anywhere. I want to get a little bit more out of Radix in in regards to this um, uh, the second trial. So yes. uh, you went to Michigan uh, and yes. you were there to cover the second trial. Did you attempt to go for the first trial? W- w- did they have the ability for people to come in there? No, I didn't try to go for the first trial. I just didn't have anything set up. Like I had no planning for it, but they have a public uh, access line. So I was still able to call in and listen every day to what was going on. Uh, But what I was hearing during the first trial, like as I was covering that first, when the discovery came out and I, you know, I have Pacer, I buy all these documents when they come out, I I read through them and I'm like, holy crap. So mm-hmm. then I'm listening in during the first trial and I'm seeing everything that we heard about in discovery. The judge is like, oh, no, we're not going to show the jury that we're not going to waste time on that. It was just stunning to me. And I was like, holy cow. So when the verdict happened in the first trial, I was not expecting any. I wasn't expecting an acquittal because, you know, the government has a pretty high success rate because let's just be real. People are dumb. They right. tend to follow authority when a, when a fed gets up there, you know, with a badge and says something or a cop, people believe them. They think they're telling the truth. Oh, why would they lie? There must have been something going on for the FBI to investigate these guys. But it was so egregious what came out during the first trial, even the little bit that trickled down to the jury that they couldn't come to a conclusion on those other two guys. So then the retrial happens and, you know, the, it, like you said, there was really weird stuff going on from day one. Uh, the, the judge decided it's not going to be three weeks like the prior um, trial was. And so they kept it to two weeks. The jury selection process was incredibly rushed. And it was there's a lot of things with that that, that are going to probably come up on appeal because they one of the women there, her daughter-in-law smoked pot with one of these guys and the FBI came to her house and talked to her. Oh, so wow. Her, her mother-in-law is on the jury. She's a direct connection to the case. The judge heard that and didn't think that, hey, maybe that's a little bit weird. Then you wow. had people that were complaining about like, 
uh, having to take off of work because they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're literally broke and they like don't even want to be there or do it. But the judge makes them do it. Mm-hmm. You had a lady who was vehemently anti-gun because her husband tried to kill her and her children with mm-hmm. firearms. So she was obviously going to be somebody that is not, uh, you know, objective. that's like the first question they ask you on jury duty. Yeah. Like, are you a victim of a violent crime exactly. that has anything to do? Ah, I can't believe it. With this similar circumstances that like, can yeah. So obviously she can't be objective. Mm-hmm. So there was that. Then they had um, a man who during the trial, the retrial told coworkers that he had already made up his mind about the case and he was going to make sure that these guys go to prison and the judge did not kick him off. He had a private conversation with him and immediately sealed the records. The government and the defense were not allowed to be present. So there's like a lot of weird stuff like that uh, with the the jury in this case. It was almost like they're like hand selecting. Mm -hmm. How do we get the perfect jury to convict these guys? Yeah. And then again, limiting the information that the uh, jury is allowed to hear. And at the end of this, right before the jury goes to deliberate, the judge changes the jury rules on entrapment and says, if these guys at any time even considered that they could kidnap her, then entrapment didn't happen. It's like, what? No, that's not how entrapment works. No, it doesn't matter if they at one point said, Hey, hypothetically, we could do this. Like, or if they ever considered it, like, that isn't committing a crime. That's not a plot. Like, are you insane? And have, it doesn't negate entrapment, which is illegal. So basically, oh, it's okay that the feds ran this entire thing because if these guys even thought about it once, then it wasn't entrapment. No, unacceptable. Also, during cross-examination of the two men who took plea deals, uh, the judge just arbitrarily decided to limit the defense to 25 minutes each. <laughs> and there are no limitations put on the prosecution, no time constraints. And it's just weird because I've never seen that happen before. I worked in law for several years. I've never any other legal experts were saying like, this is strange. The the case that he's citing, the Reeves case has nothing to do with this. It was like a, a white collar case where the government was just dragging it out with like tons of documents and witnesses and they were trying to speed it up this wasn't something dragging on for six weeks or something like that they had stayed within the two-week time frame that the court had uh sectioned off so it just seemed really weird that he would do that and only impose it on the defense at one point in front of the jury he admonishes the defense lawyers and says why are you wasting the jury's time with this crap line of questioning oh my god judge said that and he kept he was like objecting for the government like on their behalf and it's like the, this whole thing is is weird this retrial and it did it just seemed like it was a sh- a show trial and then the the government has the benefit of knowing what the defense strategy is going to be mm-hmm. this is what they're going to bring up this is what they're going to say we have to try to deflate the shock from that. So what we're going to do is we're just going to admit it. We're going to say, yeah, we had 12 informants, but that's what the feds do. And it's a good thing. It's to protect our democracy, you know, things like that. <laughs> it's just, it's so oh, unfair. So egregious. Uh, all right. We're, we're going to bring in Colin and um, uh, I'm sure that uh, Colin is going to have some commentary on this. Colin is a bit of a legal scholar himself. Colin, before we get into 
what we're talking about tonight. Did you have anything to do with the recent whistleblower information coming out about the uh, uh, vaccine not being the FDA approved version of it? Because as soon as I heard that, I was like, this sounds suspiciously familiar to what Colin was talking about here before. Well, I, I can't I can't I can neither say either way. Uh, I put out a lot of writings. I put out a lot of documents. As you know, I've been helping a lot of people in the military. Yeah, uh, there's stuff on my website. Um, I pray a lot of times I hear words of the I was reading uh, proofreading something the other day with uh, with Benjamin Davis. Um and I was like, wow, that's some really good writing, man. This looks really good, uh, you know? And then when I called him up and said, man, you did a great job. He's like, uh, you're the one who wrote that. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's but, so funny. But what he did do, to give full credit, though, what he did do is he cleaned. Uh, oh, this guy is amazing. I mean, he's so blessed. Um First of all, you know, his his faith is strong. He's one of the few that just is. And he put his family at risk, five children. Uh, and his wife, they had to move out. He was homeless for like two weeks. Um, but he listened to everything that I said. And he didn't just hear it here. He took it on. We've got like a 35-page document. And what, we, what we've done, exactly what I suggested we do, we've made a log as we went along, every single thing that happened, everything that we knew at this time, this time, and all. And then we update it. The next time we send out a letter to the command, we're sending it out to a lot of the command because – we're indicting all of them, literally. Okay, we're not going through a court a court procedure to indict them. We're indicting them by the notices, and I think I've shared this with you before. If not, I'm just I'm doing a lot of calls, so I, I don't know. Sure. But what it is, I call it a um, um, a notary process, and where it comes from, believe it or not, is a learning from uh, debt collectors. I'm here by noticing you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm here by noticing you of a debt. Well, as you know, if you fail to object, it's considered consent. Right. So you don't write back. Well, they know that. So then you come back and they go, well, we sent you a letter six months ago and you didn't respond. So you must owe the money. So we're here to collect and you're in default. So the first one is, hey, there's a debt. The second one is you're still in debt, but now it's in default. Then the third one is yours is your third and final notice. Okay. So basically that's what we're doing. But I'm also using 18 U.S.C. 4. Misprism of felony. Mm-hmm. Anyone having knowledge of a crime that's caused the court of the United States and fails to make known to some judge or other officer of the United States or military shall be fined or imprisoned up to three years or both. So what I do is I turn it. I use it. I say you are this notice or this letter or this filing, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Is it like a separate page or paragraph constitutes, quote, making known to some officer, some judge or other officer of the United States or military. So every single time we send them stuff out, they've been noticed of information and therefore they're noticed of a crime. And then at the bottom, as you'll see, I start putting the teeth in there. You fail to respond. You fail to do anything. If you fail to uh, either let us know what you have done or are are going to do, considering that you have been noticed of a crime, Cogsville Court of the United States, uh, is your admission that you're actively participating in it, which constitutes, according to the Constitution, treason. So now after we send them letter after letter, we're informing them and say, hey, we let you know last time that you needed to respond. And if you fail to do it, it was your admission that you're engaged in actively warring against the Constitution. And in this case, the military, because you're depleting the readiness. Now, we've got five pages and I did it real simple. I just made a list. 
starting with, uh, what is it, almost two, uh, the increase percentage-wise in the military records, increase of 2,000% of, of um, um, what is it? Um, Adverse reactions? The, well, the, yeah, they're actually listed. There's five of them. The first one is, um, oh, God, forgive me. Um, Myocarditis, um, blood we clots. Yeah, well, for instance, okay, because I can't remember the first one. Well, it's, uh, God, it's like mental, mental capacity. Oh, okay, yeah, like brain fog. Basically, these are pilots. You know, these are officers. These are pilots. So you're depleting the readiness and the ability of the military to defend the people. That's treason. There's no other way around it. So we're calling them out. And uh, but what we're doing is we're laying a foundation. That's great. No way. And we're going all the way up the chain of command. And uh, and we're actually listing the names of the people through the chain of command. And each time that we send it to him, we're making a record that we have sent it to him on such and such a date. The next time I say, hey, we noticed him, so he knew. He can't say he didn't know. Mm-hmm. So for them to continue to require me to take the shot means that he intentionally is engaged in blah, blah, blah. And uh, I want to share, yes, that the, the the short version is a very simple one, guys. There's at least five required licenses. Mm-hmm. You can approve of your child getting a license. That does not mean that they can go out and drive. They still have to go get the license, don't they? So this is the bait and switch. And we've actually got a uh, tribunal, a military tribunal, to see it. And uh, according to the article person, they went, whoa. No, this was done in May. We also have another one recently where the Marines, a judge, uh, actually. So this was not the, the first one in May was military. Since I see where you're looking, so I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of information. The key is they realized that there was a bait and switch. Now, you've heard it in Congress, but they didn't present it the right way. Hmm. But the two congressmen did go back and forth, and they said, oh, well, there was a bait and switch. Oh, yes, there definitely was. But they still used the word approved, approved, approved. And the key to this whole thing, to, to getting people to quickly understand, is you can be approved for licensing, but you still have to get the license. Sure. Now, in the military, it's really simple because when you look at the line, you are hereby ordered to get blah, 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 blah. But line two is the key. Line two says the following. Only fully licensured vaccines shall be used. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of that word licensured before. Well, what does it mean? So I'm going to break it down. When you get a license to, well, first of all, there's manufacturing. Then there's storing it. You have to store it at a proper temperature, right? There's a whole, I got, I've got all these documents, all the requirements, okay? And I've read them all. There's like, three pages just in how to store these things, right? Then there's how do you transport it? Mm-hmm. Because if you have to keep something at 40 degrees below zero, you can't just put it in an ice truck. right? And then how long can it sit? Like you've got, I see these pallets of these, these big boxes that came from ships overseas sitting in the hot sun in these foreign countries, which have this alleged vaccine in it. No, you have to have a license for all of that. And who, who can give it, right? Who can give you that shot? There's a whole licensing for that as well. So here's a short version. I want to do like memes. I wish I'd get in touch with people who do memes. Real simple. If it's not licensed, it's not a vaccine. Mm-hmm. If it is not insured, it's not a vaccine. And if it doesn't say vaccine on the label, it's not a vaccine. It's really that simple. In fact, we found out after we put this out that they were switching labels. They were putting fake labels I was on just, the bottles. What? I was going to say that. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that was one of the things that uh, the whistleblower brought to Ron Johnson is that they were taking the uh, experimental emergency use authorized jab and they were putting the Comirnaty labels on it. And, you know, on top of that, 
They weren't storing it at the right temperature. They said some of them were cloudy. It, it was a just it was a cluster. They were trying to sneak it past, make it appear as if they were complying with the officially licensured version of it. But it wasn't. It wasn't at all. I'm so proud of you, Colin. I hope you know that. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. You know, you know, look what you do, bro- brother. Trust me. What I do is nothing compares to what you do every day. I know what it is to do a show. I've, I've been talking about it. I keep wanting to do it. And every, I mean, I'm already sweating and I just took a shower. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin, did, did you have any comments uh, uh, for Radix on, on this show trial that we've just uh, seen go through? Obviously, I'm hoping these guys are going to get this overturned on appeal. And if you had any, uh, uh, you know, tidbits or anything that you could offer them, I, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and by the way, thank you. What? How do you pronounce your name? Radix. Radix. All right. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you having the details on it, and also your perspective is right on. Um, if you want a little uh, perspective on on my knowledge on this, have you ever heard of um, uh, Charles Dyer? No, I don't think so. Uh, Looking, yeah. If you want, I'll give you my information, or Zach can give it to you. Uh, there's, there's, you'll see that I learned the strategy a long time ago. They actually made an internet, yeah, interstate uh, manhunt for him when he what? and he was he was illegal, he was unlawfully charged with raping his own daughter, mm-hmm. um, there was more than enough uh, exculpatory evidence, DNA evidence and so on. Um, but they were trying to, they literally were trying to kill him. Wow. And I got called into it because a woman, uh, I don't think I should mention her name, but she called, they, I got in touch because they asked me to help guide her. So she would not go to jail in federal. She had to testify. And fortunately it was the one time she listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone into paralegal. Um, quite a fighter just an amazing woman herself but uh, just how bad they are to share with the audience too this man is completely innocent it's the most horrible charge you can have um much of what you're saying is completely familiar how they do the the courts and whatnot but the problem is they have surrounded this guy so much and his mother and everybody else he literally believes we are his enemy even though we already got him off like twice okay this this really screwed up we got him to be found innocent twice and yet they went and followed up a third time. He oh, literally, if you talk to him today, he believes he's supposed to be in jail. That's how that's how good they are at their job. What? Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I know they've been doing that with the January sixth defendants, like putting them through, like I don't know what what you want to call it, like reprogramming or something. But yes, like the three people that committed suicide, like Matthew Perna. He committed suicide and like towards the end, he believed that he had done something horrible or whatever. It like, uh, it's just so awful. Well, they're amazingly, you know, think about it. They only send three people into a country and within five years, they completely destroy the country and have the people. in. I mean, think about that. These people are masters of what they do. And and what we have to do is be smarter than that. Number one. But number two, as you know, Zach, I'm going to say it again. Mm If we instituted continued competency training, if you want to think about it this way, continued competency testing is what it is. In other words, name a job that you can get that you're not required to be competent to serve that job. Name a job that you can keep that is clear you're not competent. Okay. Article six requires them to swear an oath or affirmation to support the constitution. If you don't believe in it, then you can't support it. And if you don't know it, you can't support it. So mm-hmm. all we need is a very simple little test that says, hey, what's the Constitution say? Huh? I don't know. <laughs> well, then you're not getting into the job, right? 
So, well, <laughs> come, ever, come ever, November, ever. Colin, once we get this next uh, session of Congress in, I think we have an actual chance to institute exactly what you're talking about. So I, I agree. Bated breath until that moment. But as soon as November rolls around and we get through the midterms, we're going to see what we can do. Let me give a few things that I that I made a few notes on. Number one, uh, in a case like that, you want to fire the attorney. First of all, you want to fire the attorney. You want to file your own documents. You want to file stuff in affidavit form. As you know, evidence is not facts. Evidence is not facts. That's why you have a trial. The trial tries evidence, and then it becomes fact. And if you're clever at your writings, I don't even have to go into court anymore because I use the writings. I get the other side to admit that they have no, uh, they will not testify to these facts. So you can do what's called a partial, never do a complete, do a partial summary judgment on this element, this element, this element, this element. In other words, if you can state a fact, like for instance, you would say, they are without any evidence, firsthand knowledge of blah, 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 blah. Um, and then if they can't state otherwise, then they're admitting to the fact. So I use, again, it's the same debt collection type of thing. Your <laughs> failure to object constitutes your admission that the preceding is true and correct. You see, now I could go to the court and say, hey, they've already admitted it. I want a summary judgment on that one issue or that one element. So what you're doing is you break down every single element. You remove the flour, you remove the rice, you remove the oven, you remove everything. So they don't have a cake anymore. Right. That's just think of it as baking. The second thing was in any situation that the, 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 the selection of the, of the jury is extremely important, extremely important. And if any of your rights or any of those things are trampled on, you can see it's coming. What you want to do is you want to do and have them ready. A writ of mandamus. You know what a writ of mandamus is? No. Okay, writ of mandamus, <laughs> you go to a higher court or a higher judge, some, somebody hopefully you can trust. And they will give an order to require them, that court, whoever it is, the judge, the jury, I mean, the judge, the um, any, any officer, okay, to do as the law requires them to do. Because you must be heard in a meaningful manner. Article, uh, because if otherwise you're in violation, what's 14th Amendment? No state shall deny any person life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Due process means to be heard in a meaningful manner. All right. The other thing is your opening statement. You have a lot of leeway in your opening statement. Now, that judge will try and shut you down. And that's why you need to have your writ of mandamus already in set. The other one is a writ of certiorari. You can literally stop the trial, what's going on right now, to ask a constitutional question. In other words, is the judge disallowing me this or disallowing that, right, exculpatory evidence? You now ask a question of the Supreme Court, which stops that trial until that question is answered. Can this judge deny the right to have exculpatory evidence or, or, or mitigating certain, whatever it is, whatever it is that you know is justified? Okay. The third thing, a little strategy, I, this is one of my fun ones. It's called new evidence. In other words, when you can see that things are not going your way, you file new documents and you call it new evidence, which is also, <laughs> also and, and I've done this in a federal case, under new evidence, I made the judge a defendant. <laughs> that judge, right, that's how we get rid of the judge. Because under the new evidence that the judge has clearly done A, B, C, D, E, F, G, which I've got the judge to admit to by filing the proper, as I said, the debt collector type of letters. This is notice to the court of you're engaged in this and this. The law says that. The law says this. The law says the other thing. One thing, anytime, quick little note. 
anytime you are stating something that is not yours, if you if you are quoting the Constitution, any laws, always put it into quotes. Always. That's how you stay. You're st- you're working the system, but you're staying outside of the system. And they and they won't. It, it, there's it, I could go deep. I won't. But I'm just going to share with you. It's just a quick little rule. It's not your writings. If you're quoting something, put it in quotations. And that includes when you go Article 6 or Article I, uh, XI, right, or, or I, whatever it is, IV or VI. You're going to put even the article in quotes. Start there, okay? Because these are all copywritten, all right? Just oh, so okay. you know. That's how they get you into their jurisdiction. So, okay. So the third thing was, um, do, 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 writ of mandamus, writ of certiorari. Uh, yeah, add, add the judge as a defendant. And um, jury something to depose. Okay, the other one I wanted to mention: if you have the opportunity, which you're required to have, there's two things people miss. Number one is the op- you know you have the right to cross-examine, right? Mm-hmm. There's also something else people miss: the right to depose. The oh. right to depose. What does that mean? That means I can show how reliable this source is, which means now I can ask them. Oh, by the way, did you swear an oath to the Constitution? Yeah. Well, can you tell me anything in the Constitution that you swore an oath to support? Huh? Right. Well, you can you can be a lot yeah. more aggressive in a deposition too, and you 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 yeah. get a, a lot more time, and then you can take everything they've said, Did and that's on the your record. Wife and try mm-hmm. to kill her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. And even though they'll object, you go, oh, withdrawn. But see, now that's we are talking about two things. Yes, and and thank you, Zach, because I I, I slipped and, and I forgot about it. Yes, there is a deposition which is done in a much more friendly environment where they're much more, you want a drink? What kind do you like? Rum? You know, mm-hmm. so basically, yeah, you can get them to spill the beans in private, all sorts. Oh, you want to be super sweet and nice. But then there's the other, and yes, that's called a deposition. Okay, very, very important. And thank you, Zach, for reminding me because I forgot. So thank you, thank you. But then there's the other part is to depose the witness. That means you can now bring in the deposition. You can, in front of the jury, depose them. Well, is it true that you uh, beat the crap out of your wife and tried to kill her mm-hmm. on such and such a date? Oh, my God. oh withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. You're right. Yep. I, I, if you do that again, I'll hold you to contempt. <laughs> oh, I, I apologize. I apologize. So your attitude in the court, and remember, never make conclusions of law. Never state, well, he engaged in this and that. He engaged in the other thing. That's how they get slammed. No, that's for the, ju- the court to do. What you say is, well, it appears like it's a duck. It certainly walks like a duck. It, <laughs> so, you, right? so you always say it appears well, accord, or another one I use is according to quote 18 USC 241, which says if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any inhabitant in any state, territory, come up with addition, the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured by the Constitution of the United States shall be fined or, ten year, uh, fined or imprisoned up to 10 years of both, that you've actually engaged in the activity. So you must have conspired to do it. So you see what I'm getting at? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah, you kind of have fun with it, and uh, uh, and and it's called creating pixels. Never tell them where you're going. Create a little pixel and a little pixel and a little pixel. You paint a picture. When you get upset, when you get angry, when you attack them directly, you look like an idiot. But when you paint a nice little picture, little lambsy divey walking through the forest, right, right. Then all of a sudden comes this beast and pounds him on the head. You can, you see, you can picture it. You can see it now that anytime you're dealing with a jury, you need to do that. And the third, last thing, brother, and I'll let you go. (laughs) Forgive me is make sure um, this is a hard mistake for me. Make sure that after you've given the evidence to the jury, 
tell them what the conclusion is. I found out that college-educated people can't do math. If a car is going 50 miles an hour, it can't stop in 12 feet. I thought they were smart enough to know that. No. (laughs) People aren't smart. (laughs) So you've got to tell them that. Paint the pictures. And then tell them that. So, uh, Zach, I don't mind giving my email. Oh, I want to. Oh, I already, I already sent your info to her. But if you want to give it to the audience, go ahead. Yeah. Did you give her the proton one? So it's continued. No, I gave her the Gmail. Okay. Continued, like ED continued competency training at proton.me. Proton.me. So it's continued competency training. Okay. At proton.me. Good stuff. So the same thing Zach gave you, except it's add proton.me instead of <laughs> Gmail. All right. Good stuff, Colin. I appreciate your uh, uh, your uh, uh, perspective on all of this. You are yeah. uh, a legal genius, man. I would love to see you in the courtroom someday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, please tell people if it's not licensed, it's not a vaccine. If it's not insured, it's not a vaccine. And if it doesn't say vaccine, it's not a vaccine. Good stuff. Bless you. All right, brother. Bless you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. So we're at the end of the show. I need to say thank you one more time to Social Observer. He says defense should always hire their own recorder so the judge will shut up. And um, <laughs> all right. So so now uh, let's just do a, a quick wrap up here. So yeah. the uh, last two defendants were found guilty. What were they found guilty of? conspiracy to kidnap the governor and freaking weapons of mass destruction because of a firework i swear to god and and have they been sentenced yet or is that still coming that's still coming so um they're that's going to be next but obviously we're going to appeal this um i know their lawyers are already looking into that especially the stuff that went down with the jury um Send them this show. Crazy. <laughs> see, yeah, if, right? see if getting in touch with Colin will uh, will help them out. Um, so what are they facing? Uh, life in prison. Oh, my God. These guys are facing life in prison for something that didn't happen. They didn't do that. The FBI manufactured. And even in, and the thing is, is like, even if they somehow win on appeal, they've been in jail since October of 2020. Like, you don't get that time back. They've been in jail for that long. Barry has four children that don't Mm. have their father right now. Uh, It's just crazy. It's ludicrous. We didn't even get into the, you know, some of the other stuff. They admitted to planting evidence. Uh, The the woman, uh, Jenny Plunk, who slept with Barry Croft, the FBI asset, she put a red backpack in his vehicle that had explosives in it. And the FBI admitted that they planted that in his car so they could seize it when they arrested him that is so horrendous egregious yeah god i i you know the one good thing about this is that people are wising up we're we're getting a better idea of what our own government is capable of uh how far they're willing to go if they want to crush you for whatever reason Uh, But that doesn't do anything for the people who have been victimized by this system, uh, who have been railroaded, who who have been entrapped into being convicted of something they didn't actually do. It's horrible. Please definitely get me in touch with uh, with Brian. I'd really like to speak with him, have him here on the show. Let me go through the thank yous over on Foxhole. Uh, Editor at large. Thank you very much for that. Pacific Northwest Sasquatch says nice to be here. 
Sean Joe, appreciate it. Vinny, 1765, thank you. Sean Joe says, great surprise tonight, Radix. Uh, Castle Drummer says, yes, abolish the FBI and the CIA too. Yes. J2 Dank, thank you. Kitty Wu, thank you. Uncensored Abe, appreciate that, buddy. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you. Insight Gino, thank you. Lou Ann V says, so now I want my own pinball machine. I have to be honest with you. I have always wanted my own pinball machine. When I was younger, I had a friend who owned a, well, it was his dad, but he owned a Hercules pinball. It uses a cue ball for uh, for the ball. And so it's like everything is oh, oversized. So cool. Like you're out here like this, like slapping the paddles and uh, and you have to hit a cue ball. So you got to have oh, a little that's bit. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Totally sweet. Uh, Attack from Mars is my favorite pinball game of all time. Uh, or maybe it's Invaders from Mars. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's something to do with Mars. Invaders from Mars, Attack from Mars. Mars attacks, something Mars like attacks, that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Such Florida a girl for movie. yeah. God, it's it's so fun. It's so fun. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna peep around after the show and see if uh, they have one for sale anywhere. Uh, Florida girl for Trump and Q dropped a can. Thank you. Liberty Bell says God bless you. Red pill. Much love as always. Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. And then R C Anderson says glad to be here. Thank you very much, you guys. Uh, appreciate y'all hanging out with us tonight. Radix, I always like to ask the guest, what do you really want people to take away from tonight's conversation? Number one, abolish the FBI. Number yes. two, you need to understand that all of the chat rooms you're in, you know, even in on, on encrypted, encrypted applications, you don't know who you're talking to. When you meet random people on the internet and they invite you to a field training exercise, just use caution, you know? Um, and that's the thing. I, that's the, the main takeaway from this is just to be smart and to, even if you think that you're not doing anything wrong, understand that you could be, this could happen to anybody. When Brandon comes on here, he talks to Zach and tells his story. You'll get to hear a little bit more of it, but what happened to him could happen to you, could happen to any one of us. You accidentally walk into the midst of an ongoing investigation and could have your life ruined. Brandon spent 18 months in prison and that now his life is ruined. He's lost everything. It's not and fair. You don't get it back. It isn't fair. Um, I I think that you know there should be some kind of civil rights lawsuit uh, on behalf of these guys at the end of all of this. Uh, but that could be years down the line and you can't really compensate somebody for time lost. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't give them that 18 months of their life back. And for, um, you know, Adam and Barry, it's going to be even more than that if they ever get out. Uh, but so just understand that, understand that the federal government is totally corrupt. This is the kind of stuff that they do all the time. It is not just limited to this. I could spend hours talking about other Cases where we've learned that the feds were using informants. One of the big ones was Adam Waffen, the Order of Nine Angles. Some of these, uh, you know, so-called neo-Nazi groups that the FBI created. Um, you know, the, the uh, 09A one is really wild. There was an, a guy that was an FBI informant there, uh, Joshua Caleb Sutter. He was publishing like satanic neo-Nazi occult books. Uh, one of them is called Iron Gates. Um, and he was publishing it through Martinet Press. The FBI was silent publishers. They were mm-hmm. funding it for yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. These books talk about pedophilia. They talk about culling, mass kill, like mass murder, satanic garbage. 
Um, and they're giving this, like, there's the FBI is paying for this to be published, and then they're going out and trying to get these young kids, like, you know, involved in this stuff. They were doing very similar things, like to brainwashing techniques. He was meeting up with these young kids. He was giving them acid, giving them alcohol, and then doing like brainwashing techniques on them. It's wow. r- really weird. There's, it's, it's strange. But that one is talked about even less. Um, even leftist journalists, like Antifa journalists, have talked about like what was the FBI doing like funding this neo-nazi propaganda for 20 years mm-hmm. and we didn't find out about it until one of the guys in adam waffen took his case to court you know most of these people take plea deals because they believe that they they they're either poor they can't get a defense lawyer or they get they get a public defender and they end up taking plea deals so they never go to court for this information to come out so i think that another thing to take away from this is if something like this ever happens to you Go to court. Take it to court. Don't take a plea deal. Force the government to produce discovery, you know, because then you can learn what they're doing. On a final note, I will say it is not just the FBI and government agencies running informants. I have stumbled across private intelligence companies, private contractors working for the federal government that have also talked about having networks of informants embedded in mm-hmm. right wing groups. Yep. So you want you if if this was the Whitmer case and they were using them, we wouldn't even have learned that in discovery. I don't know what you do and how you can compel that information. You could probably look at um, I forget what they call it, but they're uh, the FBI forms to that where they sign the contract with the private contractors. It's like a um an acquisition form or something like that. So you could probably FOIA that and try to get information on that, but it's going to be very limited. You're not going to find out like we did in this case, the extent of it, because these are private companies doing it. So they're outsourcing this stuff to people who have more leeway to do things that they can't do legally. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Oh yeah, you can, you know, do this and that and, and get away with it. No one would ever know. And I think that, People need to understand that, too. You're not just, you know, you don't just have to worry about, like, undercover feds and cops and informants. But there's also networks of private contractors uh, that are running around doing the same thing. So just people be smart, you know, (laughs) be smart and be safe. That's what you should take away from this. (laughs) Good. It's fairly sound advice. Uh, and yes. then also, uh, Boneless Chicken over on Foxhole says, Haunted House was always my favorite pinball game. Great show as always. Righteous guest. Just making sure that there's nothing that I'm missing. And it looks like that. Uh, Matt1776 wants to know, does Raid Extreme or upload content? We'd love to have her join the Foxhole. If you, uh, She actually does. Uh, she does her own videos. And uh, Radix, we should definitely get you in touch with my friends at uh, the Foxhole and get you a channel over there because... Uh, I'm sure you'd have a whole bunch of subscribers that would just sign up right away. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, awesome. After we uh, close off the stream, I'll go ahead and get you guys in touch. Uh, Everybody else, let me just make sure that there's nothing I'm missing over here on, uh, nope, nothing on my phone. Uh, I will be gone tomorrow because it's Sunday, taking the day off. I'll be back on Monday. Don't forget, on uh, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, it's going to be the roundtable with myself, Patel Patriot and Ivan Raiklin. We're going to be discussing the Mike Pence situation, and I think it's probably going to be a, a really awesome conversation. Like, 
just everything that you could possibly imagine coming together, getting mashed up, and then maybe we'll uh, come to an agreement, or maybe we won't. Uh, but either way, uh, we might have some facts that we can go ahead and lay out. So thank you again, Radix, for being here. Thank you, everybody out there in the audience. Good luck, and God bless. We'll see you on Monday.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.